Hello, friends. Hello, 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 friends. A tradition unlike any other. Oh, 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 oh my goodness. In your life have you seen anything like that? There it is. Adam Scott, a life changer. Mashed potato. Here it, here it, here it, here it comes. This is the 19th Tea Podcast. Kieran Marsh, Nathan Drudy back with you. Not just any episode, though. Drewster, my friend, we have finally cracked the double ton episode 200. Uh, you'll notice a few things. I've gone back to the the OG T-shirt, um, the first run, the original uh, T-shirt, I thought would be a nice little nod to 200. And in honor of 200, I've also got Two beers tonight because I thought maybe we could be here for a little while. We Just could. the one for you. That's uh, okay. yeah, I don't have any more in the fridge. <laughs> wow. There you go. It yes. could be time for a re-up from our great friends at Gage Roads Brewing Company. Uh, that's a great segue. We'll probably just crack open the uh, the first one here yeah, for I me. Think so let's do it. WA's Craft Premier Brewery, uh, named after this trip of ocean between Rottnest and Fremantle. So, Drude's remarkable, really. Uh, I'm sure we'll take a trip down memory lane very shortly to think that this is episode number 200. Uh, as we've been spruiking ad nauseum across the social channels, we've thrown this episode over to the listeners uh, submitting questions on anything um, golf and plenty of non-golf related questions, which is great to see. So we're going to get to those uh, and they will dominate the, the significant portion of this episode very shortly, but a few quick things to cover off at the top. Um, I couldn't have asked for a better present for our 200th truths. My man, Jordan Spieth gets it done at the RBC heritage. Uh, plenty of people with egg on their faces, uh, not least of which two co-hosts of this podcast um, mm-hmm. who as recently as the week before when he, um, missed the cut at the Masters for the first time and was stone motherless last in strokes game, uh, Tita Green in the second round, said uh, we could be on the slippery slope back down again. Lo and behold, a week later, he, he takes, I think it's his 12th or 13th win on the PGA Tour. Yeah. Uh, I mean, look, I think there was not just you and I, many people in the golfing world have been analysing this new swing, this new feel that he's got going, Um yeah, look, I, I still think all of those questions were valid. I mean, the form line leading into the win over the weekend, and it, and it, you know, it does feel a little um, disingenuous that we're not giving this the full love it deserves because we both adore the man greatly. Um, and um, but yeah, the form line leading in was horrible. There was no doubt mm. that, that that he deserved all the wax that he got. Um, so for him to come out and shrug all of that attention off of the the golfing media and, and walk away with the win, albeit in a in a playoff against another guy who you tipped last week, I think is your, <laughs> was he your roughie or want to win or whatever I it want. was. I wanted Patrick Kent. Yeah. Win. So, yeah. Um, yeah. So a couple of, a couple of your guys. And of course, Cam Davis storming home in the final round as well was in the lead for a little while. So it's um, yeah. Jordan Spieth wins again on Easter Sunday. And I'm sure as every other bastard said across the last 48 hours, Easter Sunday next year falls on the masters and he's won two Easter Sundays in a row. So chalk it in. Chalk it in, uh, yeah. Can we do? I've, I've done the long range Open Championship bet for later this year. Can we do a long range Masters for next year? We shall wait and see. So yeah, uh, Jordan Spieth, the winner again, uh, uh, in not convincing fashion, but I mean a pretty decent final round. Two incredible eagles, and then birding the last of himself into a playoff and birding the playoff hole to win in one. So a very decent Sunday from Jordan Spieth. Uh, Drew, a bit of news as well, closer to the home front. Uh, Melbourne, 
Now, I thought this was interesting, right? Because the city of Melbourne, not necessarily the course Royal Melbourne, but the city of Melbourne confirmed as the host of the President's Cup in 2028 and 2040. Um, so the uh, PGA Tour is certainly leaning into – PGA Tour being um, the, the body that runs the President's Cup, certainly leaning into uh, the USGA's format of announcing venues years in advance. I think we're up to like the 2050s for US Open hosts being announced for the USGA. But, yeah, great news for Melbourne, 2028, 2040. They'll host the President's Cup. You would think that Royal Melbourne would be a front runner, but I did find it interesting that, that um, yeah, they didn't nominate a course. Um, there's plenty of great options down there. So I'm pretty certain 2028 will be Royal Melbourne, but it'll be interesting to see, you know, over the course of time what opportunities present themselves for courses like Kingston Heath, Peninsula Kingswood, to name a few, um, and even maybe some uh, further afield down the peninsula. So, yeah, it's a great announcement for for Melbourne to put on such a good show in 2019. It's coming back. Yeah, three three time hosts of of the Presidents Cup, and you know, I was on the ground and saw it firsthand. It was it was exceptional. Um, I think it's a no brainer to take it to Royal Melbourne. I think um, that if Australia hosts it, Royal Melbourne is the only option. Um, I know that we have some fantastic courses, but. Um, it would be ludicrous of us not to uh, showcase our highest ranked course on the international stage on the only opportunity that we have currently um, uh, that, that coincides with the PGA Tour. So uh, I agree with you. 2028 will almost certainly be Royal Melbourne and, and 2040, I would suggest, would probably be um, that as well. But that's uh, some 18 years away, Marshy. Um, and just off the back of President's Cup as well, Jeff Ogilvy named um, and a captain's assistant for... Uh, this year's President's Cup at Trev, our holiday. So Trev, Trev, Trevor Immelman has named his assistants. I think it was Jeff, uh, Mike, Mike Weir, Weir uh, KJ Choi. That's what a good one. I love KJ Choi. And was there a fourth one or was it just the three? Um, I think there was a fourth one, but I can't remember it. I think they've, well, they're going to be, they're going to be pushing shit uphill, I reckon. Uh, the US team is putting together. Looks a, pretty stacked. Looks Scary. looks reasonably stacked. Scary. It's interesting that um, they called in the announcement. They called Mike Weir the pride of Canada. Uh, obviously, from a golfing perspective, I'm not, mm. I'm not necessarily thinking they're suggesting more broadly, but not disputing that. Now, I wonder what the threshold is for say. A, I mean, obviously, Mike Weir, a major winner uh, from memory. Uh, mm. I, 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 is Mother that Masters. the threshold for say a Corey Connors? <laughs> Um, does he, is it one major? Is it two? What does he need to do to become the pride of Canada? I wonder. Well, who's the pride of Australia? There you go. I'll throw a question to you. This wasn't one of the listeners submitted <laughs> no. questions. Um, look, oh, Kari Webb, probably. I think it's probably a fairly comfortable one. Um, because yeah. there's no, I mean, I, I think. Anyway, we've said it before. She's the she's the out and out goat of Australian golf. No, yeah. no doubt about it. Um, but yeah, there's no one who jumps out to me. Like I, I don't think you'd say Greg Norman, particularly particularly not not recently. Oh goodness mm. me! Uh, and then you can probably throw a blanket over, um, you know, um, Scotty, Jason Day, more recently, um, Leash and Cam Smith. So yeah, I think it, I think it's probably pretty comfortably Kari Webb. If if we were to nominate one, uh, you know, one pride of Australian golf. I'm just looking um, through here, sorry, uh, just to nominate the fourth uh, captain's assistant. It's Camilo Viegas. Oh, how do we forget? Yes, Camilo. That'll be fantastic. I look forward to every member of the international team reading greens in the old spider grip thing. Yeah. 
Be fantastic. That's sick. Loved it. Be fantastic. That's great news for Melbourne. Um, yep. Who knows what number of episode we'll be up to in 2040. We might even be there. Uh, we shall wait and see. Uh, Druids, on a, on a slightly more serious note before we get into the questions portion of episode 200, uh, some sad news, particularly for Australian golf in the past week um, with, with the very sad passing of Jack Newton. Uh, now, if you follow golf in this country and you don't know Jack Newton's name, you haven't been paying attention. Um, I thought it spoke volumes of the man that the overwhelming, like the overwhelming response from the Australian golf community, from people his own age, right through to, you know, people coming through the ranks now, uh, the the legacy that he leaves and the platform that he's provided through the Jack Newton um, Academy, through the through the golf events. Yeah, just the sheer amount of people who said I wouldn't be where I am now without the influence of Jack Newton from an Australian golf perspective. It reminded me a lot, um, Neil Neil Danaher, the former Melbourne coach, and of course, um, just champion, champion man now with his battles through motor neurons. Um, he he gave a speech a couple of years ago to the Melbourne Football Club uh, on the eve of the big freeze game against um, against Collingwood, and he had this famous line. He said. Um, when all is said and done, more is said than done. And I just thought when I, when I heard about Jack's passing, I thought of that because there's a lot of people who are passionate about golf in this country. There's very few who turn that passion into tangible action and outcomes in the way that Jack did in his life and leave a legacy that will live far beyond his name and his years. And yeah, I think, well, I think we lost a, we lost a giant of Australian golf in the past week, and and uh, whilst it's very sad, I think it's at times like this you should take a moment to to acknowledge the contribution and celebrate all that he did do. Um, you know, rather than focus on the fact that he's no longer with us. Yep, very well put, Cam. Um, I mean, you only have to go back through the episodes of this podcast, and how many people have said we asked them a question, "How'd you get into golf?" and oh well, you know, picked it up at the age of five or six, and then got into the Jack Newton Junior series and it's just it's a countless you know we've heard it countless times so um yeah lost a lost a true great of the game and and yeah the outpouring was was certainly um certainly a plenty across social media uh, from from golf golf lovers and and just general journos and sport journos anyway so and just very briefly on a similar note Drudes, um overseas uh, i'm not sure if you saw this but i thought it was worth mentioning uh, shirley spork who was one of the 12 founding members of the LPGA Tour, uh, died this past week at the age of 94. Uh, so obviously a different story to Jack, but if you've not read the story of the 12 founders of the LPGA, and, and I'm just thinking on the spot here, it could be a great deep dive for us to do on the 12 founders and, and I suppose the founding principles and founding few years of the LPGA. But um, if you just cast your mind back to where more broadly um, the women's movement and how women were treated back when the LPGA was founded and what these 12 women would have endured, particularly in a stuffy game like golf. Um, and to see where that tour has grown to now. And yes, we say it often, it deserves far greater coverage and far greater pay parity. But to see the legacy that Shirley Spork and the other 11 women who founded the LPGA have left um, similar, it's something that will live far beyond their own years. So uh, the outpouring similarly again from American golf community uh, upon Shirley Spork's passing was um, was broad and and I think she is a woman who's left an indelible mark on the game and deserves to be acknowledged with her passing this week. Well put. Okay. Well put. Okay. 
that will probably do us by way of news. Mm. Um, settle in. <laughs> we got some questions. So we obviously we, we, much like we did in episode 100, uh, it was important to us because um, I think contrary to popular opinion, this is not just two idiots jumping on on a Monday or a Tuesday or in this case a Wednesday evening uh, of the week and, and recording a podcast for the sake of it. Um, it certainly started that way. I think it would be fair to say, but mm. it has, and not to, you know, try to overstate, but it's grown a little bit of a following and an and engaged audience who we appreciate a great deal and certainly love ever so often to hand the reins over to. Uh, so in the spirit of what we did 100 episodes ago, episode 200 is all about uh, you, our listeners, and the opportunity and the platform to ask us a question. Any question, uh, we didn't put any sort of scope on it. We got some great submissions, Drudes. Uh, we did say that the best question, as judged by the two of us, we'll be taking home a pair of uh, sunnies thanks to our great friends at Oakley. So we will announce that. I don't know. Maybe we'll announce it as we ask that question, but we yes. might hold till the end. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see how the see how the mood strikes. But uh, I think the way we're going to do it is I'm going to nominate a category uh, because they fall under a few distinct categories. The question submitted, and you're going to ask the question. Correct. Um, so for the benefit of our listeners, can you run us through the categories we're selecting from tonight? Sure can. So we have uh, four categories. We've got about 30-something questions uh, from across, the, uh, from across the, the social media channel. So we've got personal golf-related. So that's to do with your and my, my golf. Golf and your golf. golf. Yep. yep. Non-golf-related. So just other random stuff that people have asked us. Golf-related whether that's PGA, whatever, just general golf, and then stuff specifically about the podcast. So they're the four, um, four categories. So okay. you're going to pick from there, and then yeah. I will pick out a question from, from it. So I'll throw to you. Uh, I think let's start off with personal golf-related. Okay. Um, let's... Let's go with this this one to start. At Warwick Ahern zero zero submitted a few questions. I like this one. Have it you was. put have you put into the masters ballot before? <laughs> oh, I wish. So to my to my understanding, and obviously we've spoken uh, we've spoken to Evan Priest because it wasn't Benny Everill, was it? it was Evan Priest? Benny Everill, uh, of course, the Aussie writer for pjtour.com has put his name in several times and I don't think had the, the, the pleasure of being drawn out, but Evan Priest has. Uh, so for those unaware, the Masters ballot, which uh, Warwick refers, uh, media who cover the Masters each and every year put their names into a ballot and a certain number are drawn out to play the course uh, the Monday, the day directly after the final round. So it's tournament conditions, nothing's packed away in terms of infrastructure grandstands facilities it's like you're playing the masters you just there's no one there uh so no is the short answer because you have to be attending media and we are a little not a lot drew but a little ways off accreditation from augusta national golf club i would have think we're a long way off yeah we need to work on getting accreditation to the australian pga championship at this, at this race <laughs> Did, didn't even get a look in at the uh, pro-am out at the uh at at the WAPGA, and I would have thought I'm getting a look at the WA Open uh, <laughs> next week either. And I've seen some people that were playing out there in Kalgoorlie, and it's interesting. Mm. So, but anyway, fascinating. No, so the short answer is no. Um, 
we we want to we need to get to Augusta first and get into that media center. But in terms of in terms of golfing dreams, um, there, there's not many that rank higher than winning the 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 media ballot to play the day after the final round. Yeah, and even the like just generally attending the Masters, right? So the, obviously yeah, the, there's the media. Uh, there's the media ballot, but then the, the ticket ballot as well as I've never put in for that. I don't know if you've ever you ever put in for the general ticket ballot. No, no, <laughs> I just no. I think that would just also be like winning the lottery in a lot of ways. So I think if I was going to Augusta and going to the Masters, I would certainly buy a package deal to ensure that I have guaranteed entry. That's the way I'd go about it. It's a bit chicken and egg, right? Because obviously, I don't think I'd put into the ballot from a ticketing perspective until such time as I, I genuinely like I, like I'm committed on buying flights I've planned out. And yeah. if I, if I don't manage to jag a ticket, I still have some sort of holiday around it where I'm going over to the States, but it's also like, Oh, maybe I, maybe I need the impetus of getting a ticket through the belt to actually pull the trigger and book all of those things. Yeah. So I imagine I, I've always had in my head, this pipe dream of maybe for my 40th, uh, I'd go to, Go to the Masters, so that's seven, yeah. six and a half years away at the moment. So yeah, look, we'll see where we are, but yeah, it's I, I just love to go. Um, you know, we are we're fairly evenly split on our our favourite major, and I'm still pretty firmly in the camp. I, I'd love to go to an Open Championship, but I don't know. There's something there's something romantic for me about Augusta, and whether it's just watching or. <laughs> Or getting the name put out of the media ballot, I'll be happy to just get my name called anywhere. Next category. Uh, let's actually stick with um, personal golf related. I like I like that as a start. What were your first handicaps from PK plays golf? This is probably going to be a pretty boring answer because it was. I, th- I think it was just as high as what it can be. Now that's shifted. Mm. To be fair, obviously because the handicap system. Uh, changes with the wind uh, seemingly at present. So I think when I first got a handicap, it was 25. Now, obviously, you can you can go a little ways north of that now, but uh, yeah, 25. And look, um, not a lot of fluctuation for me. <laughs> obviously, it's dropped a little, but um, you know, I've had this discussion plenty just through uh, just through lack of volume. I just I just. It's not uh, it's not moving a great deal uh, for me, and and also probably um, the older that I get and the fewer time I get to spend on the course, my focus and my priority out there is a little different than driving the number down, which may answer a couple of other questions that we have. But yeah, twenty five um, for me was where I started. You, Dreads? I yeah. So when when I first got a handicap, I was playing golf quite a, a lot at one course. Um, Love that. and had some really good scores, had like five really good low to mid eighties. And so when decided to bite the bullet, get a handicap and submitted those cards that gave me a very low number of like 11 or 12. But I think that often is what happens when you play one course over and over um, is that you become a bit of a bully on that one course. So after um, about six months of realizing that that was um, not my true handicap. Uh, the handicap company who I have my handicap with got in touch and said, uh, we probably need to do something about this because you are just getting beaten up essentially. 
Uh, mm. So it got recalibrated to, to about 20 odd and, and that's pretty much where it is now. It hasn't really moved. I think it got down as low as 16 and, and then, you know, not practicing for a while and all that just blows it back out very quickly. So I find it very easy to uh, have uh, numbers added to your handicap, but very hard for them to, to come off after a while. Good call. Let's right. go. Um, let's go golf related. Okay. Uh, I like this question. Really like this question from at Morgan Morgan Herkett. Played Brisbane Golf Club yesterday. Rounds are always four slash four and a half. I'm going to assume that's hours. Why can't yes. more courses do this? It's a wonderful question, Morgan. Wonderful question. Yeah, I, I know. I know full well that they uh, they keep you moving out there at Brisbane. Uh, but that's that's as it should be, uh, and that's for context for people not in um, southeast Queensland. It's a very popular golf course. It's a, it's a it's a members course, so and we're not talking like um, shifting thousands there through a day. And there are uh, courses that certainly see more volume in Brisbane, but it's not empty, um, and they don't struggle to put people on the tee box at Brisbane. So. They've obviously found a formula that works, um, and I've seen a couple of different things. One of the more recent ones I've seen is the system, um, and this probably must be nice, not walking, but the system in the uh, the buggy that shows you your expected time and, and how far behind you are, which I also don't mind. But, I mean, if, 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 if Brisbane Golf Club have solved the answer to slow play, uh, they'd be doing well to patent it. <laughs> And uh, sell it treats <laughs> to the world. Um, most notably, the PGA Tour. I would have thought. I think the simple answer is it's a private club. I would argue that mm. um, uh, that that more often than not, people who play. If you were to to do a sample size of of people who play at a private course versus a public course, their handicaps would be significantly lower, which means less time looking for golf balls. Etc. And I don't want to shit can on public golf here because I'm I'm one of them. Um, there's a couple of key ones I think that that really uh, delay things for me. One is not uh, is not having a course marshal. Um, heaps of public golf courses don't have course marshals keeping people on top of play. Mm. Second second one is not having a starter or just announcing what time people should be at the tee. Um, I see that. Very often, I mean, like Wembley Golf Course, one of the busiest public golf courses in the country doesn't have, they never announce over that, you know, this group needs to be on this tee at this time. Mm. And it it makes makes such a massive difference. Reigns. Yeah. <laughs> and thirdly, and probably the biggest one, is people playing from the wrong tee boxes. Now that's um, easily, uh, if there is only one tee, then, then that's it. But again, using Wembley as an example, they've scrapped, men's and women's tee and they've now got um a, a front a middle and a back tee and that's based off your handicap and that's uh, again an honor system as to whether you want to play to that mm. um but i've played out there a few times since they introduced that and it's made a massive difference i've seen people playing off that front tee who are just getting used to the game and you know just that five ten meters makes such a massive difference it doesn't seem like it would but it, it really does so they're probably the three key reasons for me um, and ultimately it's, it's going to be very difficult for slow play to ever be abolished at public golf courses because we, we want to encourage people who 
haven't played the game or don't play the game to come out and and have a go. And unfortunately, when you're learning, you are going to be slower because you're not going to hit the ball as far. You're not going to hit the ball straight. It's as simple as that. So I think patience is a virtue and it comes to golf sometimes. 100%. I think uh, I think pride is also your enemy in, in the game. I think there's far too much pride in people walking around. Yeah. Um, well, probably any course anywhere in Australia that isn't um, – at a bare minimum, a state PGA championship level. Like if you're not there, then you yep. ain't getting there. So right. appreciate what your four hours on a Saturday or a Sunday or a Wednesday are. And and they're not um they're not shifting the needle and they're not no. putting you on the champions tour. So yeah, that's correct. So next let's let's stick with golf related. Um I love this question. I'm going with two big ones from the from okay. the very top. Um, from at Sykes.Clinton, with the distance debate, what's the max distance we want the pros to hit the driver? Is it, <laughs> is it, is it, is it too cute to say it's already too far? <laughs> well, I think, I think that's evident. But what Look, is there a number? Is there a magical number that we, we say, oh, we want, this is where we want it to get to? I think it's, I think it's difficult. Um, because you got you got to talk in averages, right? Because there's variables week in week out, weather, you know, conditions of the course. We've seen to to me at least viewing from you know the comfort of my my couch. Um, f- firm fairways are in vogue where possible at the moment. Uh, certainly in the last six months, a lot of a lot of stops on the tour um, are firming up their fairways in particular. So obviously, roll. It comes into that. Ultimately, am I interested in seeing guys bomb at three, three seventy, three eighty off the tee? Not overly. It it irks me a little that we've had a course like Augusta National, who've had to add distance this year. And if you you look at the Google Earth maps, are constantly buying <laughs> buying up property and clearing it behind existing holes and, you know, a bit of future planning and future proofing. Ultimately, Drew, it's like you don't take anything away from the the athlete, right? And a golfer is very different to what a golfer was, you know, 10 years ago, let alone, you know, 15, 20, 30 years ago. Markedly different, and they are they're they're a different body type. They're a different athlete, and that's had its contribution to distance. But it it pales in comparison to the advantages found through science, technology in the ball, in the club face, especially the driver head. And I don't know. It's becoming increasingly obvious to me that that there is seemingly no downside to bifurcation, and and just pairing back the professional game because the, the the companies in terms of your apparel and your, and your equipment companies, they're not going to lose their money because people like you and me are still buying clubs that let us hit as far as we humanly can. But it preserves a little bit of sanctity of the game at the top level because the further we go, it does not, let me be unequivocally clear, does not make the golf better. So to answer Clint's question is... <laughs> What's the maximum distance you, we want people to hit the driver? Uh, I don't know. I, I, I find that, I mean, I, it's arbitrary. I don't think, I, I don't think you can say, yep, Clint, I want, I don't want drives going any further than 350 yards because mm. it's entirely contingent on 
course setup, layout, conditions. What I would say is I want I want driving distance to remain consistent with what is sustainable for our courses. Courses can't and simply won't continue to lengthen. Like that's going to narrow how many are available to play PGA Tour events at, right, and majors for that matter. And some of our most historic and, and treasured stops, particularly for majors, will become obsolete. So my answer is not a number. It's um, distance cannot outshine the sustainability of our of our courses. And right now, it's kind of like poking its nose through and, and needs to be paired back. So I don't know if that answers Clint's question. If, if they're hitting it an average 370 at the moment, then... If you want a number, maybe it's an average of, you know, 340, 350. We shave 20, 20, 30 yards off. Well, a tour average right now is 296 this year. Oh, well, there you go. What's the problem? So, <laughs> but it's interesting because 22 years ago, 2000, the tour average was 272. So you're talking 24 yards just mm. different. The last time that we had a year where the leading driving distance player on average the last year that that was under 300 was 1998 and that was john daly um mm. so I, I it's it's a it's a really hard one for me to answer because i kind of almost think it's like there is no answer there is no number in that exists we can't say like oh we want we consistently want the tour average to be under 300 yards because I don't know. Like it's it's the and the purists and the traditionalists of the game we go, oh well, you know, it's it's shit to see Augusta. Look at look at how it was in the 70s and like players hitting three irons into 15 and all this. And how good was that? And yeah, it was great. But also in the 70s, they were going and having 16 beers after the game and half a pack of cigarettes. Like they weren't the athletes that they are now, right? So I think like the game and every sport just moves so dramatically. You look at any any sport, look at cricket bats, right? Mm. The size of cricket bats this year in the modern times compared to, the, like go back to the 70s, they're just incredible, right? So I kind of, I certainly understand the whole point for rolling it back, but like I think bifurcation is the very, very simple answer. Um Part of me also goes, let's just keep it going. Like, just make, let's just get a ball that fucking goes like 400 yards and turn every par four drivable. And then we'll find some people who take it on and some people who won't. Mm-hmm. Why not? Just like at the Olympics, just let them all take drugs. They're probably all <laughs> on it anyway. Wow. Having a little can of worms here, I would have thought. Do it. <laughs> Uh, anyway, I don't know. There's that, no, there's that, no number, right? There's no number. You can't sit there and say well, we need driving distance to be three hundred every week. Doesn't that number that, that number that you've thrown out in terms of the average driving distance on tour has floored me. Uh, but no, no surprises to regular listeners. You are the numbers man. I, I would not have thought it was under three hundred yards. Um, so I'm also conscious of not being uh, over over indexed on our reaction when the field appears to be around about or just below 300 yards. Yeah. But there's certainly a portion and I'd love to see the correlation between 
anyone who averages below 300 yards and wins. That would be uh, because, you know, there's a lot of guys that maybe drive there. Not many of them are actually having an influence on the tour. And that I think that's the issue, right? So, Well, it's interesting because I'll give you the, the leading driving distance players this year. I'll rattle off the top 10. Cameron Champ leads away 321. Johnny Vegas, Wyndham Clark, Cameron Young, Matt Wolf, Joseph Bramlett, Luke List, Trey Mullinax, Brandon Hagee, Taylor Pendrith. And then at 11 is John Rahm. He's the first real name that jumps out. Ricky Fowler's at 13. Gary Woodland's at 14. So the first Fowler's at 13. Yeah. So Johnny Rahm at 11 (laughs) and then JT at 16. Right. Kepka at 19. So there's not like really... Like, yeah, I don't know. It's it's, it's it's a real interesting one. And, of course, the catalyst for change has been Bryson in the past three years, right? And yeah, um, rightly or wrongly, he's, he's forced an issue with, with the tour. Um, and I think, you know, that's certainly in part to do with the way that he uh, – or, sorry, in, in the way that the technology – has advanced mm. to your point, drive ahead and, and ball uh, more specifically. But also he went on this journey. He identified that if I can hit the piss out of the ball further than everyone else, statistically, I'm going to have a better chance of winning golf tournaments. Mm. And I think the argument to that is that even if we introduce bifurcation and roll the ball back, then he's still going to be, 20 to 30 yards ahead of most other players, if that's what the numbers show and they don't right now. But if in his mind, that's what he's thinking, right? So regardless, if we're rolling the ball back for one, uh, sorry, if we're rolling the ball back for all, essentially the driving distance numbers will still be the same in terms of leaderboard, not physical driving distance. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, I don't want to go down too much of a rabbit hole here because uh, Bryson irrespective of, of what you thought, felt, saw. And I was highly critical, highly critical on this podcast of it. He's completely vindicated because he went on and won a major. And it's an impossible question, but there's nothing to suggest to me prior to that that he was going to win a major. So he, he went away and did something that fundamentally provided him with a stronger chance and he ultimately went on to win a major championship, so completely vindicated. Now you fast forward another 12 months, and and where is he now? He's had the last probably two, three months riddled by injuries, now gone in for surgery on the hand. Now, I'm sure there's more nuance to it, but the simplistic version would look at that and say that was bound to happen, Mm. bound to happen. Now, as I said, I'm sure there's there's a lot more detail the conversation is more nuanced. It has to be, but like, if he doesn't get back to that, and you have to think that through atrophy and surgery and kind of like he's never going to bog back to where he was. Sure, he's always vindicated, but and sure he might always hit the ball further than everybody else. But if everyone's if everyone's rolled back thirty or forty yards, then how important is hitting the ball the further off the tee? I think that it it makes the rest of your game far more relevant, far more important. And we will see, you know, ultimately he will be viewed in a very small group of people who truly changed the shape of the game because mm-hmm. a rule was made to combat him. Um, and as I said, irrespective of where you think he is and 
and and and you know, there's people who would say, oh, "I told you so." Who cares? The guy's completely vindicated because he won a major. Yeah, and I think like this is kind of where I net out on the frustration with Bryson is like I, I don't actually feel like it's like oh fucking Bryson like this is his fault you know like it's you know him hitting the ball further than everyone else has caused this issue and and it certainly has like don't get me wrong it certainly has but in my mind he saw a it's not even a loophole he just went I I'm going to get bigger and stronger and hit the ball further than everyone and statistically when you look at it if you hit the ball further than everyone, even if your accuracy is less, you will still gain shots on the field. That's mm. just what the stats show. And mm. he's seen that and gone, that's what I'm going to do. And the result showed. I think what he, he won a major on the US mm. Open. I think he won um, Rocket Mortgage that yeah. year. I feel, like I, was, I, feel, I feel like it was under two tournaments on top of the US And he's Open. done some great stuff for the game. So, like, I, I kind of – I get – the hate because that for me is separated in the sense of like all the bullshit that he does as a person on social media and all of that weird crap. But from a pure golf perspective, it's, it's like anyone else in any other sport going, I need to get bigger, faster, stronger so that I can be better at my sport. And I feel like the golfing public has gone, you're, you're a tip. Like you've ruined the game. <laughs> you've ruined the game. And it's that yeah. to me is completely unfair because let, the, the anger shouldn't be at Bryson. Let's be clear. The two aren't mutually exclusive. He can be a tit and it can absolutely not be his fault, <laughs> um, which <laughs> Correct. Is, is, is where I land. He yeah. absolutely is a tit. Yeah. And yeah. it's by no means should you direct your anger at the, at the distance revolution at one guy because no. I, I, and I'm glad you pulled yourself up and didn't call it a loophole because a loophole suggests that you've you've used some unsavory means to exploit something yeah. that isn't necessarily uh, forbidden yeah. but frowned upon this yeah. wasn't yeah. This, this this was a complete blind spot for the tour they he went, even he went to the anyone... gym more yeah. than other people <laughs> exactly and the tour, the tour didn't even consider it it was like ah oh, no it's just golf why would people why would people just rack up and, and and go to town in the weights room. They're not yeah. going to do that. Yeah. Well, he did, and like yeah. so, yeah. That you you should not be angry at him because of what he did. In fact, you should thank him if you are. That, that's the irony, right? Because the people angry at him are the people who should thank him because he's yeah. ultimately going to force a change. You can also think he's an ass. So yeah, 100%. that's fine. Yeah, that's fine. I've always I've long thought that we should do an episode called the Bryson debate and just go back and forward for an hour and a half and just debate <laughs> Bryson because, and the, and the crazy part is that yeah. like even the people who have great disdain for Bryson and they exist out there, he, yeah. what he has done in done for the game in the past two, three years has been extraordinary mm. from the cringy videos that get people talking, like he's created a character that people want to watch and ultimately hashtag grow the game, right? And <laughs> I think he's I think he's absolutely done it. It's it's been quite phenomenal actually. But anyway, should we move on? Please. Next question. Uh, 
non-golf. Non-golf related. Uh, all right. I want to get this one out of the way early. Dane M. Study, would you have slapped Chris Rock or laughed? <laughs> really thought hard about putting this in there or not. <laughs> oh, shit. Do you know, it's funny. So I, you sent me the link to where you had collated all the questions and I kind of gave him a browse. Um, so some of these are, some of these are coming at me blind. Uh, look, probably, probably neither. Yeah, <laughs> that's my probably, answer. Too. Probably, probably <laughs> neither. Because similar to what I just said before, you can be of the opinion that the joke was in very poor taste, but also think that. Physical assault is not is not yeah. necessarily the answer. Correct. It's funny, you know, like where I wash out on it is if he had done everything that he did minus slapping him. Like if he'd sat in his seat and yelled out what he yelled out, then like this is it's a story, but he becomes a person who you know, has has made a stand in defence of, of of his wife, and done so in a way that people think is relatively reasonable. But uh, I don't know; like, he loses all credibility because of what he did. So, I think somewhere in the middle would be mine. Um, I don't think I would have laughed at the joke. In pretty poor taste to make a joke about someone who's been on the record about her struggles with um, alopecia as a disease and has tried where she can to embrace. The struggles that come with that disease, and then just and like Chris Rock's not unaware there is yeah. history there between him and the in the Smiths. Um, so the joke was in poor taste, but yeah, the the response was you if you lower yourself, and he didn't lower himself to the joke, he lowered himself far below that. Correct. So, no, I think if you if you go back and look at like when Ricky Gervais hosted oh. years before that, <laughs> some of the things he said were way worse than yeah. what Chris Rock said. Do you reckon um, it's because he's English? People just go, ah, oh, Ricky. Probably. <laughs> Quite possibly, right? But if, right. if Will Smith had <laughs> if Will Smith hadn't got up there and slapped him, for starters, like I questioned why did he slap him? Like, you know? That's close weird. close yeah. the fist and push him. Go the fist. So at least, like at least, pun- at least punch him if you're gonna have a go. Mm. Anyway. <laughs> but like it was all weird. I mean, the Oscars in South just fucking weird. And on, honestly. I genuinely could not care less no. about that entire thing. Like, I, you know my thoughts on movies and TV shows. I watch the same, like, six TV shows on repeat. I've seen, like, 15 yeah. movies in my whole life. I could it not care less. me a little, but that's fine. Yeah. <laughs> I did see King Richard, though. That was outstanding that he was in. That was, was it? Yeah, yeah. Really, really good. So. Okay. Well, also a shame that, you know, um, it's a it's a great story, Um the story of, of Richard Williams and uh, clearly a great movie and clearly yeah. a great performance and no one cares anymore because <laughs> no, they don't. he slapped the guy. Anyway. Next question. Uh, let's stick with uh, non-golf related. <laughs> this question got asked in a couple of different places from Adam Suter. What are your day jobs? <laughs> Cheeky. Um do you know Adam? Oh, I don't know Adam. No, I don't know Adam. Either. No. So sometimes we we text each other for those people listening. Sometimes we we get comments and we text each other and go, "Do you know this person? Do you know this person?" <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so look, um, 
Adam. What I'll say is I'm not gonna I'm not gonna tell you my exact job. Uh because well, I mean, I think I said this to you. I think I said this to you. Yeah, well, I think I said this to you, right? When I saw a few of these coming in. There is a little platform you may have heard of. It. It's called LinkedIn. Yeah. Um <laughs> it's got a search function. If you jump onto LinkedIn.com and you hit the search bar and type in someone's name, you generally find them. Um, it's literally an online resume. So, <laughs> uh, but look, I I'm in the media and communications field. Um, is probably what I would say for it for in sport as well. I think I'm prepared to go that far. Yeah, media and communications in sport. Yes, this would be an interesting one for you to answer because you you are transitioning jobs. Yes. <laughs> uh, Yes, look, I, so yeah, I was in a similar, so for people who don't know the context of how this podcast started, we need to rewind. <laughs> are we, are we answering a question, another question? Oh, I don't know. I think we might be. I think we might be. We work together. I think that's enough for you to kind of talk about your work now, and then we can talk about the genesis of the podcast later. Uh, what what made you? Just no, we'll leave it. it. We'll let, no, we'll leave it. Oh no! Okay, we'll tr- we'll transition to it. Um, so the in the podcast related questions from at Will Bayless ones in one enjoying the pod lads. What made you start the pod? I love strong opinions. So the way the pod started uh, was that we met through work, um, work. circa two thousand sixteen. Um, fifteen, it was actually yeah, August two fifteen. It was hell of a night, wasn't uh, it? <laughs> One of the Nathan, great stories. Nathan and I, so I was starting work on the Monday. Yeah. And there was an awards night for work on the Friday evening. Yeah. I just recently moved to Perth. When I say just recently, I moved there on the Wednesday. So two yeah. days before, never been to Perth. And the um, the HR manager said, we'll get you along to the awards. I think it'd be a fantastic opportunity for you to just get to know a few people, break the ice a little bit before, you know, working in on Monday so it doesn't feel like the first day at school. I was like, yeah, that's a great idea. Um, proceeded to have one of the all-time sessions. <laughs> <laughs> Certainly broke the ice, I think it would be fair to say. Uh, yeah, hell, hell of a night. And then, you know, there, the there's a, a great photo. So I was running the photo. social media. Um, so at the time, uh, so Marshy was brought in. To oversee media and communications, and I was looking after digital marketing at the time, and uh, I was running social media on the night, and <laughs> got stuck into a fair few, mm. um, but had preloaded all the tweets, Obviously. all the social media stuff. Obviously. I'd done, I'd done it. I, you know, it wasn't my first radio. I'd done yeah. it before. So. Obviously, um, and then yeah, there's one of the great photos of you, me, and our general manager at the end of the night, which mm. will never see the light of day. Um, other no. than for the three of us, but it was fantastic. <laughs> anyway, fast forward from there, um, you moved back to Queensland. We start chinwagging about golf. I think this love of golf had always sort of been there. Mm. Um, and then we kind of, you know, that meme that goes around, that's going around at the moment. It was like, oh, should we start a golf podcast? <laughs> no, no, but ser- no, should we? Like, should we? <laughs> ah, no. <laughs> anyway, one thing led to another and yeah. It was born. The 19th T was born, I think, over a couple of beers. We, we came up with some name and a logo and anyway, mm. all of that sort of stuff. So anyway, to answer two questions at once. Uh, I <laughs> That's have, what we do. Yeah. So I, was, um, I have been in that same organization uh, for seven years across a few different roles, took over Marshy's role when he went back to Queensland, then moved into corporate partnerships for the last few years. And now I'm 
moving across um, to a new business in um, sort of mining, civil, uh, government contracting across a few different areas in, in terms of safety, people, and equipment hire. So it's a bit of a complicated one, three divisions. Um, but yeah, that's that's probably where I'm at. What made us start the pod? I don't know. Have you got a good answer to that question? Because I probably, I probably uh, look. I uh, so I've I've I don't know if I might be a lie to have often thought about it. I've occasionally thought about it, mm. um, and I I think, and I don't want to put words in your mouth. Mm. I think ultimately, uh, and it's it's grown bigger than this, obviously, but I still feel like the reason why we started it is it the essence of why we continue to do it. And that's just that we enjoy the opportunity to sit here and talk to each other yeah. for an hour and a half a week. Yeah. And I think the only thing that's changed for me is um, the, the increasing level of surprise that other people are interested in what we might be saying. <laughs> so, so I think that, you know, like as you said, like I, I moved back home to Queensland, and and obviously we'd gone from working together every day um, to not um, great mates, and just said, "Well, this is a shared passion. We both don't mind the sound of each other's voices, but more so our own. Um, why, why don't we give it a crack?" And I never anticipated that we <laughs> certainly didn't anticipate we'd be two hundred episodes in. Uh, and I wouldn't recommend anyone goes back and listens to the first 40 because you would share that opinion. Uh, but it's always been, um, I think, about the fact that we just enjoy catching up on a Monday night. Yeah. And and the longer it's gone on, there's probably been an increasing amount of structure around it. That's what comes with getting more comfortable with doing podcasts and also having a few sponsors. <laughs> Make sure you keep yourself honest and keep them happy. But yeah, I, I I don't think that's changed. I think that's no. still the same now. It's just we there's a few more bells and whistles around it. Yeah, and I think like what what people don't hear, like so what people end up hearing out of this is you know forty five minutes to an hour and a half, occasionally longer of <laughs> golf talk. But yeah. either side of that, there's mm. between fifteen and twenty minutes of just catching up about life, mm. right, and things that are happening and. And I guess that's, yeah, that's absolutely, absolutely the reason that was going to be my answer as well. I mean, we both, we both like golf and, and, you know, from a business perspective, I think we, we also probably saw that there was a bit of a gap in the market for. Yeah. I think, I think, I think that is important to acknowledge, right? Like, yeah, (laughs) we did, we did think that, that there wasn't necessarily someone talking to people like us about golf in a way that we would appreciate. So that there was an element to, oh, this might actually be a smart idea as well. Yeah. We want to. We just want to ramble to each other once a week, every 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 week. So to be fair, I think that would be a good podcast. Just <laughs> think be dribbling could dribbling be, shit with each other for an hour and a half. Could be a, a week. Seed in the nineteenth. <laughs> yeah, it'd be like what's um. There's a few that have got like little sub ones. Yeah. I think uh, no laying up mm. has the trap draw. Is they that do have the trap called? draw. Yeah, I don't think I've ever listened to it. But, it's a great um, podcast. I'm a big yeah. Fan. Maybe we'll need to come up with something like that, just you know, because we've 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 got so much time to record, you know, one episode a week, let alone <laughs> let alone a whole another. I whole think nother I think that neatly describes it. Though. Like ultimately, for us, it it was and remains a great platform for us to continue to, um, you know, 
share a you know a really important friendship. But I think it's also, and this has probably been, I kind of made it a bit of a trivial joke and said that it's just us talking and there's a few more impels and whistles around it. What I think's actually happened is that we have we have done what we set out to do, and that is speak about golf in a way that resonates with an audience that wasn't being spoken to. Um, originally, I think that was simply covering PGA Tour events and just speaking, uh, you know, to – and I feel, sorry, I forget the person who asked the question, but to their point, speaking with some strong opinions, maybe that others hold back on. And then increasingly now, probably in the last 12 months, it's having a far greater focus on what's happening here in Australia from a golf perspective, and I think that also resonates with people. So, yeah, we are a little bit more strategic than just having a chat I think we try to adapt where we see um, people's interest and people's engagement. But, yeah, not to take anything away from There's some great golf podcasts out there, but not necessarily ones that speak to an Australian audience under the age of 40. Mm. (laughs) And and about Australian golf too. Like, you know, it's a sport that doesn't get a great deal of attention in the broader media and there are some Mm. obviously niche other golf podcasts out there that are Australian that do what we do and that's – that's great. Like, you know, sure, we, we might compete for listens, but I think it's part of a very healthy ecosystem of, of golfing podcasts. Um, what's the saying? Rising tide lifts all boats. No, that's a good one. They say. Did you come I up with that? Uh, uh, no, I, I cannot lay claim to that. No. <laughs> no, that's an existing saying. But yeah. look, I think, no, to your point, the, the community that we've built in, and I say community in two and a bit years, to have I was just looking at it then to have had 54,000 downloads in two and a half years, I think has blown stupid, like way more than what we ever expected. And, and stupid. And I think, you know, I, when, when we talk to potential sponsors and we talk to current sponsors and we talk to people, we always, we never go in with like, yes, we have this great number of, of listeners, but like if, if our numbers don't grow from here, like I wouldn't, I would never be disappointed. I would love for it mm. to grow. Of course I would. Mm. But I, our community of people that are listening to this literally right now, that engage with us on social media, that love commenting on stuff and, and interacting with us, like that's all we could ever ask for. You know, like we have, I'm looking at our top cities that we get downloads from Sydney, Melbourne. Um, Sydney and Melbourne are very close. Uh, in the past year, Brisbane and then Perth, like, you know, if we were to go and get some of those numbers and, and you just get 10% of people that have downloaded from Sydney in the past year, we could have a wicked day out and do some some great fun <laughs> stuff. And I know that's one of the questions to, to explore later, yeah. but like, yeah, I think that's also a part of it too for me is like there is almost like this expectation of like, where the fuck are these guys? Like there would be people sitting there that were like, why wasn't this pushed out on Tuesday? Like normal, you know? And that's, that to me is kind of cool, but absolutely in essence, to your point, it's just because we love chewing the fat as well. (laughs) Simple as it is. I think, I think it's probably answered maybe a few of the questions. Cause I think there was one there, but um, I think it was from our good mate, uh, Bradley, Bradley McIntosh. Uh, What along the lines of why do we, why do we keep doing that has been answered, yeah. What keeps you guys doing what you're doing? Yeah. So. Uh, yeah, and I, without 
putting too fine a point on it. Um, it's not to say that if we'd had 400 downloads and 200 episodes, we wouldn't necessarily still be doing it. We might question whether we need to do it weekly, if mm. that was the case. But mm. um, increasingly, we, we continue to do it because it's clearly something that people uh, people enjoy. So, uh, yeah, w- without wanting to pump everyone's tires up too much who's listening, um, that, that's the reason why we continue to do it because it's reached a, a level now. I often think about this. I, sh- I shouldn't say I often think about it because that will send the wrong message. But I've often thought that we have probably reached the nexus where it's harder to get out than get in. Do you think there's <laughs> – yeah, that's a very good point. You know, I, I don't think we could just not – I don't think we could just like stop recording. I, I don't think – yeah, there, there's, there's, there's a few too many um, – our greatest obligation is to our listeners – there's a few other obligations, um, and, and and I think it would it would be, I mean, if we made that decision, I don't think it could be like just a final episode. It would almost have to be like a gradual decline, and I certainly don't think we could just not turn up. It's 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 weird, right? Because I I, I do think about that that there's probably a period through those first forty episodes, maybe even sixty to eighty episodes, but we just stopped. Like no I, one would really care, right? That's nah, all right. Yeah, but to your point, we 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 got to a point where we would start to get messages if it wasn't out on a Tuesday. Like, where's the where's the pod? Yeah, and you quickly realise, like, oh fuck, like I I might have to stop having kids because I don't have any more spare time <laughs> on my hands, and I've got a podcast to record. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. yeah it's, it's interesting. I think we are certainly now at a point where it's like it's actually it's like the Australian cricket team of the two uh, thousands. It's harder harder to get out than get in. Mm. Mm. I've, yeah, I just I don't know. We'll get to. There's more questions around the podcast, and we could honestly we could talk for for hours on on all of this sort of stuff. But anyway, all right, let's go next question, next category. Uh, podcast related, because Jesus, we've we've done that. Uh, golf related. Golf related. Um. All right, one that we could probably spend a bit of time on here. You're the. 2028 President's Cup uh, captain. You get 12 this was picks. A good one. Who's in your squad from Dane M. Suddy? Do you have like a pick, a, a group of 12 that you're picking? Have you written them so down I, or do you just want to spitball some names? I thought about this mainly today. So I was on a plane twice today, um, this morning and this evening. I thought about it on the way home. Um, if I look at it right, and obviously you've only got the 2019 President's Cup team to go off, and we'll get a better indication at the back end of this year. But if I look at it in terms of who you know rolled out at Royal Melbourne in 2019, and I fast forward to 2028, in my mind there's probably only, and this is wild, right, because that's six years away. So to say yeah. that anyone's a lock is crazy. But in my mind, there's six, uh, probably five locks. Right. Um, it's Smith. Yep. Oh, obviously. Might be a plain captain by 2028. Also, how uh, old will he be by that point? He'll be like 34? Yep. 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 So he's getting on. So he's, I, I think I think still a lock for 2028. Yep. I think uh, Joaquin Neiman is a lock for 2028. Yep. I think Sungjae Im is a lock for 2028. I think Abraham Answer is a lock for 2028. And then there was uh, Corey Connors is the other one um, that I had in my mind who was like, yeah. So I think those five, because 
I think there's some very deliberate selections in 2019 of succession planning and longevity and guys we can build, you know, like I think I think 2019 was Adam Scott's like fifth president's cup. Mm. So you pick you pick people very rarely to go, you're one and done. Like we're, we're investing in you. Now somebody, particularly like Neiman, Neiman was like 19 in Melbourne, had no right to be picked. And they said, no, we see something in this kid. We're going to pick him. So I think those five guys, definitely. And then you look around, I mean. I'll give you one I, more. Can I give you one more before you? As a lock? Yeah, please. Yeah, please. With Lee. Lock. Yep. Trajectory. Yeah. He's going to win. Oh, I mean, he's going to win three times on the PGA Tour between now and then. Wow. Some guys don't win three times on the PGA Tour in their career. Yeah. He's on a frigging awesome trajectory. Okay. So and look, he, he hits the ball a long way to our point before. Hits the ball a mile, belts the cover <laughs> of it. Um, he, so he was definitely in my like next level considerations. <laughs> I'm, I'm not sure. sure if I was willing to. I'm locking him up. Lock it up. Lock. I'm doing what you did to Larry. <laughs> Larry is a lock. Um, there's just a lot of people I think who fall off from 2019, right? Like Scotty's not going to be there. East Hayson's not going to be there. Leash is oh, the greatest respect to Leash. Leash is not playing President's Cup in six years. Um, so then it's like, okay, well, where do you look? So South Korea, there's there's depth. You know, you've got um, uh, I don't know if Benny Hahn comes back. Benny Hahn played 2019, but he he's fallen off the face of the map. See where Kim. Is is a is a really solid player. Is he there? Um, you look to South Africa. Uh, Garrick Higo, Wilco Ninabar, Van Royen. Uh, uh, yeah, Van Royen. Van, I mean, Van Royen could be a fair, fair shot for this year. I don't know if he's there. And in... he's ninth currently. So he's only yeah, one spot off. He's, I mean, he's probably in. He's probably in this year. Um, but I'm, you know, if, you, if you're looking six years down the track. They've definitely got those two in, in Higo and Ninabar, who are kind of the, the the forerunners of South African golf. And South Africans always make up a, a, a strong portion of the team. And then you look at guys like um, Takumi Kanaya out of Japan, who's you know one of, if not the best amateurs in the world at the moment. He'll come up. So I think there's plenty of people around. And from an Australian perspective, Min Woo definitely. Lucas Herbert is another one who you would think would be mm-hmm. would be factoring at that time. Um, Cam Davis. Like if he continues the way he's going at the moment, and he's got a couple of years in those guys, would so be, be be pretty old. But he he's another one you have to think about. I, it's just it's hard, right? Because you also can't account for like I thought about today. What about from an Australian perspective? What about guys like Jed Morgan, Louis mm. Dobler, um, those guys coming through that you know we've spoken to plenty. Uh, you know, six years time that could be anywhere. Like Jed. Jed's going to have a European tour card as well, Mike Louis wrap, mm. wrapped up. Jed is almost certainly going to be playing at the US Open um, next year. So, like, that's that's then his. And then you've even got the next level down that are in, like, that the junior sixes. Um, yeah. Jeffrey Guan. Uh, yeah, Good. Jeffrey Guan. He was the Could one that any. I was just going to say. Like, yeah. um, And then there, there are guys that are at college at the moment, like Carl Phillips, who is just yep. immensely, Cal. Yep. immensely talented. So... Yeah, I don't know. I I agree with you. I think there's going to be there's a couple of guys that I reckon that we've potentially undersold a little bit. Adam Hadwin was part of that team, not a lock, but might be pushing mm. on a little bit in age. And Sebastian Munoz as well. Hefe. So, El Hef, we he love the Hef. Mito Pereira is another one of the other Chilean. Pereira, um, Anabar Lahiri is currently eleventh in the standings this year. Wow, um, Carlos Ortiz. Would be a 
huge tip wouldn't he? for for this year. He'd be huge tip for this year. But it's yeah, it's hard. It's hard when you when you're looking into the crystal ball. I think as you say, there's probably. I mean, I've got five. I'm not prepared to elevate me. We'll do a lock, but you are. So let's just say we've got we've got roughly half the five team and a half mind that's pretty pretty well cemented, barring any you know major catastrophes. So it'd be really interesting to see who emerges. Um, and I and to your point, I get the sense there's probably two or three that we haven't even seen really in earnest yet. So is there like being um, being very diplomatic and taking a president's cup? international yeah. team hat off here is there a situation between now and 2028 where you can see the international team winning uh well any any time we we play a home um mate i think we go to canada aren't we in 20 yeah montreal's next home one yeah so i mean that doesn't scream Away game for the, for the Americans, does it? No. Uh, look, a lot of things got to go your way. A lot of things went our way at Royal Melbourne, and we still lost by what was it? Two, three, four, three I think two three. or three, whatever it was. So, yeah, I mean, I, I definitely think that. Uh, to be to be honest, I think we're a better chance in twenty twenty eight than we are this year, just oh. based on what's coming through. <laughs> And based on what we see, um, we, we're going to struggle. This we're going to get spanked this year, <laughs> and that's not to do like I mean, I uh, we said it in the Masters review. Fuck! After the first round at Augusta, I had us winning the Presidents Cup. Yeah, uh, we were flying. Yeah, but uh, yeah, it'll it'll be it'll be a tough watch this year. So yeah, I, th- I th- nah, let's let's say twenty twenty eight, Royal Melbourne. We'll do it. We'll I, finally crack through. I honestly think that is our best. Chance. Mm. So just looking through Quail Hollow this year, Royal Montreal 24, Medina 26, which will be great as a venue. And then 28, mm. we assume, will be Royal Melbourne. But by the same sort of token as to what we said about some great talent coming through, the Americans have some phenomenal players mm. coming, coming through the ranks. At, at even that next level, I mean, to, to 2019, we weren't even considering Scotty Scheffler and three years later, he's undeniably oh. the best player in the world, right? Mate, and, and probably Scotty earlier Scheffler this was year, like the, was. the 12th man onto the Ryder Cup team last year. Yeah, yeah, correct. So, um, and then you got guys like, um, I'm just looking through the collegiate uh, golf rankings at the moment. Yeah. Guys like Cole Hammer um, out of yeah. Texas is fantastic. Pearson Cootie, who, who also plays out of Texas, is arguably better than Cole Hammer. Um mm. There, there are a lot of very, very good players coming through, and I think that um, it's going to be, it's going to be very tough. I think for the internationals to ever truly, truly compete with the mm-hmm. US. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think a um, the day that we win on American soil will be one see. of will be one of the greatest sport achievements very, that's ever been achieved cool. by anyone. Very, very cool. It's interesting too, right? I, like, um, I think the 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 captains are so intrinsically tied to the success. I don't think it's any secret that we went as close as we've been in a long time in 2019 with Ernie Els as the captain, and the amount of time he put into that. And increasingly now, I think um, 
I think Paul McGinley probably really started the revolution when he was the captain of the Europeans who won in 2013, I think it was. Was it the Miracle at Madonna? Not sure. Not not up to date on my Ryder Cup captain. If you can but... Google that while I'm while I'm um, while I'm waxing lyrical, when the year that Paul McGinley was the captain of the European team, he I think really started this revolution of approaching the captain's role different, and it's manifested itself in a bunch of different ways. More often than not, on the um, on the European side. So uh, Bjorn did it in 2019 when the Europeans knocked off the Americans at La Nationale. And Ernie was very much that way, like lent into the stats, lent into the pairings, lent into the, you know, all the stories of the acknowledgement of the different cultures in the lead up to. Um, and that captain's role is so important now in these, because you're not, it's like anything, right? It's like, you're not, you're not coach, you're not teaching them how to play golf. You're man managing and, you, and you're creating an environment that brings the best out of people. So you got Trevor. Immelman, who who was one of the assistants at Royal Melbourne and I think has been on the path. And then what do the next few years look like? Like it would make sense that Mike Weir, who's an assistant this year, becomes your captain in Montreal. But you've got a guy like Jeff Ogilvy, who was an assistant at Royal Melbourne. He's an assistant again here. Like Jeff's owed his dues. KJ Choi is now a two-time consecutive assistant again, Royal Melbourne here. So really interesting to see how they... they um, because I, I think particularly, obviously, the, the international team are far greater underdogs than the European team. But more often than not, the Europeans go in as underdogs against the Americans. And that, that captain's role is so, so important. Yeah. Have you got a year for me? Hey. 2014. 2014. 2014. There yeah. you go. Right. Next question. We've uh, got a lot to go and we've been going for a while, so we're going to have to get through a couple, I reckon. Okay. Let's go non-golf related. Uh, favorite sport other than golf uh, from the original Pete Harvey. Do you know I saw? So I was like, "Is this the ghost of Peter Harvey?" Come on, I loved Peter Harvey. <laughs> Sixty minutes, oh, Peter Harvey. God, it was a show for growing up. <laughs> One of the greats, Peter. Rest in peace, Pete. Um, the, I mean, I think for me, it's Australian rules football. Um, but this, this, this could be a this, this might not be a short answer. You could go uh, American football. You could go for your college football. Uh, I like the round ball. Increasingly, I like the F one. Uh, I love like my summer is cricket. I, I think if I'm honest, it's probably it's seasonal. If right now we're we're in AFL season, so I'd say it's Australian rules football, but. I, I, you lose me to cricket for four months in summer. So it's probably one of those two. And then I, I do have a, a, an enduring passion for sports played predominantly overseas as well. It's interesting you didn't mention league there. Yeah, it's, it's uh, I don't know. Is I, it because Bronx are shit? I, there's probably an element of that. Like I, yeah. I'll always support the Bronx. Um, they're making it hard in the last few years. But <laughs> I don't know. I think it's I think it's probably more to do... Um, at a macro level where the game's going and and I just find it increasingly difficult to watch. Um, I think also ever since I started watching Aussie Rules, like I find it a far more engaging game to view um, and that's that's both on television and in person. I think it might be one of the best sports to watch in person. It's phenomenal what you pick up when you're there and it helps when you know, you've been on a journey with the team you adopted back in 2011 and it's not been a very pleasant one and they finally taste some success. So I think there's a lot of things that have correlated at the same time to, you know, um, 
push Aussie rules to the top spot. But yeah, I think that's probably where that's probably where I'm at personally. How about you? Uh, I'd say pretty comfortably college football. <laughs> like I think you say. Um, I just yeah, just obviously having experienced it, I think makes a massive difference. But just yeah, for sure. the just what comes with it and the way that it's broadcast and the way that the sport is run is like, it's, it's, it's on another level that I don't think people can comprehend. Like in many ways in, in pockets of the U S college football is bigger than the NFL by a long, long way. Alabama, right. Has no professional sporting teams. I'm just racking my brain very quickly. Don't have any professional sporting teams. Don't think so. And in, the big, no in the big four or five, yeah. don't have an NFL team. And it's it's enormous. Um, similarly, where I, that's where I went to school in Oregon was two professional sporting teams. And yeah, it was college football. So mm. um, yeah, but I'm like you, like cricket in the summer is, is quite incredible. And yeah, I don't know. I like footy. I've probably fallen out of love with it. <laughs> A little just even watching games in the past um, little while, I, th- I find it, I find the inconsistency frustrating just in general of like, yeah. like growing up, like what I played and what I watched compared to what I watch now in terms of what rules exist are uh, just like blows my mind sometimes. <laughs> But anyway, hot, hot, but, uh, hot, yeah, hot, let's what do they not, call it? Hot, hot button, button topic. topic. Yeah. yeah. Next question. Hot button issue. Probably. Yes. One. Yes. Sorry. Sorry. That's the one. Uh, let's go. Let's go back to podcast related. Okay. I'm going to uh, amalgamate a few. Yes, I am. Because there's four here from one, one person. Um, yeah. So, so the first one is when is Kieran going to mic? going to get a mic that does his voice justice. That's from Figgy Smalls. <laughs> now, funny story about this because we actually had um, a little bit of audio issue before we got going today uh, for episode yes. 200, would you believe? Yes. We still have audio issue. Um, and those people that have made it this far might realize that Marshy's mic does, in fact, sound much better. And we realized that... Um, the settings weren't set up. So he was getting mm. the microphone uh, via the laptop. I assume that's what you're rolling off over there um, mm. instead of the uh, the plug-in, the nice, you know, new one that we went out and bought on the arm. Because we've gone through three mics in 200 episodes. The first we one have. we bought was the little, you remember that little poxy piece of shit? Horrendous. Horrible. Uh, Horrendous. And then we got the Yeti, which was so as well. Yeah. Very, very good. And then we just decided that I we, we like to move mics around. So anyway. The, uh, ir- I, the irony being we got the fancy looking one and I couldn't figure out how the fuck to use it. So that's all right. It's all good. Um all right. So uh also from Figgy Small, so surely some new vintage kit coming out. So this I thought would be a great uh time for me to plug that we officially have a website. Uh, yes. so pulled pulled uh, a few things together. 19th podcast dot square dot site, because we're not paying for a domain name because we're cheap. And um, <laughs> on there, on there is our store, uh, which yeah. you can go online and buy the uh, the logo cap, which are on our bonces now for forty bucks. The the shirts, uh, which are thirty five, and the original tee that Marshy's got on there, uh, if people can see that, twenty five dollars. So that's on sale. So um, so go go and get into that. Um, and so to to um, Sammy Fig's point. 
<laughs> um, some new vintage kit. We do need to get get our Arsenal gear and yeah. get some merch um, sorted out. But we are sitting on a lot of stock, so we're probably not going to hit the button on any sort of vintage no. merch anytime soon. No, 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 no. Stock. So, yeah. yeah. So that's we might run that. a little little promo, a little sale. Look, um, it's a great question from um, Figgy Smalls, very loyal listener, Samuel. Uh, I actually saw saw him sporting a Talk Birdie to Me t-shirt uh, over the weekend on his trip to Melbourne. Beautiful. So, yeah, very, very good, good of him to be supporting the the podcast. Um, we, from memory, we 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 chose um, two shirts out of a possible four or five designs. So we might mm. need to look at re uh, revisiting a few of those because Talk Birdie to me was brilliant. Um, Buck, Buck Fogies was another one. <laughs> Buck Fogies, plenty of those. Fuck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Look, it's uh, yeah, it's it's definitely on the radar. Um, obviously, we 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 have some income. Um, we strategically decide how to use that, and merch is always an interesting one to pull the trigger on because uh, you're obviously very contingent on sales. So, look, we'll certainly be exploring. Um, you know, maybe some new shirts, maybe a new cap. We've only we've only ever really dabbled in the one one mm-hmm. form of cap, the original. So we might look at that too. Maybe, but, uh, maybe bucket hats. I hear they're quite, oh, quite the in fashion. Stay tuned. Now, also, just just you plug the website. Um, we haven't had a chance to speak about this because uh, <laughs> I've had my head buried in my work for the last five or six days. But just before I logged on tonight, did I see my boys written an article? Yes. So for, for the website, so not just a shop, also a content hub. Worked out how to do it this afternoon. Outstanding. Uh, Post work. So I thought I'd pull together. Uh, couple of little articles up there at the moment, just a, a little bit of a preview on the WAPGA uh, championship mm. getting underway at Kalgoorlie this week. And then I thought maybe weekly I'll try and do a bit of a wrap-up on a Wednesday of just news from around the Australian golfing circuit, So, excellent, uh, which would be good. So uh, 19th oh, you, you, podcast, dot square dot site. go and visit it. Well, you are the, uh, you are the resident writer. You're the only published writer in this duo uh, yeah, so far. I'd, I'd, I'd still say once once you start writing some content, I might, pretty, I might pretty shit. I might, I might um, what I might do? I might carve out a little niche for myself as the opinion columnist. <laughs> so there'll, there'll be no hard news. There'll certainly be no fucking previews or reviews for that matter. That's what I use yeah. my voice for on this podcast. I'll, I'll exclusively do opinions. Maybe okay. that's maybe yeah editorial. Editorial opinion content. Maybe Jesus that's Christ. All right. It could be dangerous. Uh, yeah. Next. Um, um, I'm bundling Figgy Smalls all together oh, yeah, because sorry. They're, yep. they're, all, they're all around. Um, so uh, sort of, um, I guess, pr- what what they're keen to see. Vlogs, keen to see you on the course playing holes with the pro. Caddy chats, they have the best dirt on the players. We haven't had a caddy on, so that would be a great one to do. And in terms of vlogs, then we've certainly, we've certainly had plans. I guess COVID have kind of... Throwing that in the lurch. Um, yeah. I wasn't allowed into Western Australia up until about four weeks ago. Has so, uh, and Drudes couldn't leave and then get back in either. So has made that is also slightly true. difficult, but um, we're working on it. Yes, so maybe towards the back end of this year we'll have some sort of course vlog type setup, um, um, which is what we're looking for. I think the caddy callouts great. We we do, and I I think that we should probably something I should have raised off air, um, so we don't. Commit ourselves to it. Just go for it. I think we should aim for Pinner. I agree. Smith's caddy as our as our first caddy guest. So you and I'll take that one offline. Uh, figure out how best to get in touch with Pinner um, because <laughs> don't know that he's on the socials, which is generally our first port of call. But yeah, I think Pinner would be an excellent first one. So we'll work on it. 
Next. Uh, personal golf. Let's go back there. At Josh Robig, will Kieran and myself commit to being in single digits by 2023? I'll answer this on behalf of both of us. No. It's a, it's a hard no. It's a hard no. And he, he, he asks that question with the knowledge of what the answer is going to be in advance, and I think that's a little cheeky. I'll throw it back to him. Is Josh Robig going to commit to being in single uh, figures if, if you he's not already? Me. If you listen to him, he probably says he already is. Oh, but is. I find right. also find that hard to believe. Right. Uh, it's kind of like, oh no, I'm, I'm a I'm a I'm a sixteen, but definitely playing more like a nine. So interesting. That's the type of questions. That's the type of statements. But he's in a he's in a. I mean, he's certainly taken to playing a fair bit since he's returned home from the uh, yes Seen from that. the Big Apple. Maybe uh, so uh, maybe that's our first course vlog that we'll need to kind of set up is get you two out, <laughs> given that you're obviously both in Queensland. Oh, he'd love that. Get I you know two if, out. I don't know if that's the content we're after, but he would. He, he has actually approached me, and um, I don't think I don't know that I flagged this with you, but I, he's approached me in recent weeks about potentially uh, being an audience member. I don't know what that looks like. I think that's sitting in this room off camera, just kind of like watching as we record which i find pretty fucking weird to be honest but so like like the peanut gallery a little bit like that yeah which right. i find very unnerving to be talking to you and have him like just here <laughs> is this is just this josh's times. way of starting to think of a third co-host of the <laughs> non-ft <laughs> i think he, i think he i think he's had more than one dream about it yes yeah yeah. Uh, all right. I've, I've said no to uh, just to clarify. I don't <laughs> okay. think I need. To, I don't think I need an audience member here in the room. So next, uh, let's stick with personal golf. I think we should almost be through those, so we can. Yes, there's there's two more. Do you want to finish them both? Let's, off? let's go through those two. Yeah. All right. From at Blitz Golf, uh, how good of an MC do you think Nathan will be at Blitz WA? So there's probably this some. Bit, this is a bit of an inside baseball fucking question, here. isn't it? Yes. Hello. So I. <laughs> So hello, I, Simon. Uh, yeah, hello, Simon. Uh, so I am emceeing the uh, event out at WA Golf Club, Club rather, next Tuesday, Tuesday afternoon, which would be fantastic. Fantastic field set as yeah. well. I've seen some some really good names uh, on that list, so that'll be a lot of fun to to get out and emcee. But um, oh, I hope I'll do a good job. To, to answer, <laughs> excellent. I think you've been excellent to emcee. Thanks, mate. Uh, last one uh, in personal golf related. Have your handicaps improved since starting the podcast at Ian Pryor? Um, probably covered that at the top, and I think we both maybe agree marginally. Oh yeah, I, I think it's I think it's an immaterial change. I I often say because um, you know you get in conversation with people and. You know what, what are your hobbies? What do you what do you do outside of work? And oh, I host a golf podcast. Oh, do you really? You must be a pretty good player. No, no, I'm actually not that great at all. Oh, is that not like a problem? Yeah. I was like, well, I don't understand why why I need to be good at it as a prerequisite to talking. About. I only need to be good at watching it, which I I'm exceptionally good at, though, isn't it? Yeah, I'm exceptionally good at watching it, um, and I enjoy being self deprecating about my level of play when we talk. Mm. But, yeah, people seem to think there's a correlation between uh, – I also it's like I also – when people I go out and play with who know that I, I do this and then you don't play well, it's like, yeah, but I thought you hosted like a golf podcast. It's like, yeah. well, there's not a correlation between sitting here and talking about it and being able to swing a club well. Yeah. 
Often no, it's the people who who can't do talk. <laughs> that's what that's the old rule. So yes. yeah, um, I'd say an immaterial change, and I'm perfectly comfortable with that. Yeah, agreed. All right, that's all the personal golf related questions. Let's go to back to golf, just pure golf related. Uh, from Dane M. Sadie, you're the new commissioner of the PGA of Australia. What do you do oh. to revive the tour? Jesus. <laughs> Bro. <laughs> this could have probably been episode 201 on its own. Yeah. Um, look, I'm conscious that, like, we, we've certainly ridden a, a, a roller coaster in the past eight months. We've been highly critical of. Uh, both Golf Australia and the PGA of Australasia. Um, at times, um, I, you know, we felt we deserved it. And in retrospect, I don't change my mind. I think it was well-deserved at the time. In more recent months, we've been full of praise um, because, again, um, they've deserved it, the way in which they have adapted this summer and certainly some exciting announcements, you know, um, obviously with the return of the PGA next year or the end of this year and it, being the first stop of the European tour um, for the men, you know, the, the, the ladies are back at Bonneville, which is now again, a part of the ladies Europeans. So they've done some outstanding work in the last four years. I don't know. Like those, those questions are often set up to say you go in and put a broom through the place and have radical change. And, and I just, I, I think that we need to be cognizant of being aware of our standing in world golf, like the the strategic partnerships, particularly with the European tour, is incredibly important. So, like maintaining that at all costs is 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 of the utmost importance. But we can't lose sight of where we are. Like we we need to focus on bringing people to our shores, but also focus on really that next wave of talent. Like this this will never be a place where consistently the best players in the world are playing. This will be a place that is a wonderful nursery for Australian men and women who go on to do great things on the world stage, like Cameron Smith, like Hannah Green, like Midgey Lee, like Leash, like Scotty. So we need to, like, we can't lose sight of where we sit in the ecosystem and our focus has to remain on, on, being a launch pad for Australian talent to go and perform on the world stage. Yeah, I think it's really well put. Um, I think I will probably have a better answer for this question after the PGA Expo in Melbourne in October this mm. year, which uh, we're, we're both going to try and get along to um, if we're allowed in. And I, I don't entirely, yeah, I, you know, in fact, I completely agree with what you've said. Um, I think, I think when I reflect on what we said in, in our episode that went relatively viral last year, I think everything that we said was uh, we, we read statements off websites and we don't need to go through all that again. Mm. I think my, my increasing frustration that I still have was the lack of communication around what was being done. Yeah. And that I think was also the, the feedback that we received at the time was that, well, we are doing this and it's like, well, no one knew. So you've got to communicate that. And I think um, there's been a clear change in in that space within Golf Australia and, and the PGA in the last couple of months. And we've had we've had a very fruitful meeting with them um, and and you know essentially wiped the slate clean between the two of us and we're really proactive um, in a few of those things. 
I don't, I don't have the answer as to what I would do as the new commissioner. I think, yeah, coming from the job that I'm in now, I, I think I've probably seen more so how important commercial viability is to, mm. to long-term sustainability of um, sport. So I think starting there would probably be my, if I'm literally sitting in the seat, that would probably be my first port of call. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. I don't really have any broad sweeping changes because i think what they've introduced in the tps and and what they've introduced as far as a schedule for this year has been amazing it's been outstanding and if this is the schedule moving forward i am quite happy with all of that it won't change my opinions of what happens what what's happened in 2020 and 2021 because and i think everyone is of that opinion but well i'm quite happy for this to be the schedule moving forward would i love to see a pga tour event here absolutely would I love to see a, a swing where there's three, four European tour events played in Australia and New Zealand and Asia? Absolutely. Mm. Is that a pipe dream? Maybe. I don't know. It's, I don't think the answer to that question can be, what would you do as, as the, the new commissioner of the PGA? I, I would go and get a PGA tour event because it's not that simple, right? In, in reality, like it's, it's not that simple. Well, I think, and I only want to say one more thing on this, and I think it dovetails nicely with what you've just said, is it was something that when we were going through that probably four to six-week period of episode after episode after episode being critical, there was a point uh, that in my memory, at least, I don't know if this is going to play it out, but I feel like this is what I was saying. There's a point I kept coming back to, and that is that, so the question is if, if you're the new commissioner, um, of the PGA Tour of Australasia, what would you do? The question is not if you're the new CEO of Golf Australia, and yeah, it's really important yeah. to make the distinction. Correct. Right? So if you're the, and we don't call them the commissioner, Gavin Kirkman's the CEO of the PGA of uh, Australasia. Gavin Kirkman's primary stakeholder are his 1,300-odd members that exist around the country. The PGA Tour of Australasia is a member organisation. So everything that he and they do by extension has to be and must be in the best interest of and for the benefit of their members. Now, we were critical at the time because that's not what was happening. And factors sure beyond their control. We've been full of praise now because what they have concentrated on doing in the last four to five months is fleshing out a really full summer schedule. Now, there's chicken and egg conversations around you, you need commercial partners to your point and commercial viability to be able to do that and i know that i'm sure they're working on that and that's really important as a focus because money fixes all problems but like whatever you do sure go after a pga tour event it would be wonderful but people have to golf fans have to remember that gavin kirkman's job is is not to keep golf fans happy it's to keep his members happy and and ultimately, I think they've done a really good job of that this summer. Moving forward, that has to remain the focus. Go and get a PGA Tour event if you can. It'd be wonderful for golf in this country. Absolutely not at the expense of the the pros that we talk to week in week out who play here. That it, it can't be an either or. It has to be for the benefit of the members here. And if we can get it, perfect. Yeah, it's a, it's a very good call out. I think. The, the one that I'd be interested to unpack at a, a very different time and, and hopefully we could get some people from Golf Australia or the PGA on to, to well, specifically Golf Australia to chat about is the way that 
Golf Australia is structured in relation to individual states as well. Because I think if you recall when you first joined um, the federated the, model, yes, when you first joined uh, the organization that we both worked for over here in, <laughs> in Perth, it was 2015. There was a World Cup on that yeah. year, and there was a massive plan around the uh, essentially riding the wave riding the wave of the elevated media attention and the in-your-face nature of this event. And, mm. and it was really important. And off the back of it, we saw some phenomenal growth at the grassroots, which is ultimately where everything begins. So my question is, when we have events like the President's Cup here in 2019, and we have it coming back in 2028, 2040, when we have all these other wonderful events that are going on around the country and on the tour, where is the, the plan? What are we doing? Yeah. Cause I, I got really frustrated when I was at Royal Melbourne in 2019 and I didn't see, I saw, I saw Cobra Puma there. I saw Taylor May, like they were, everyone was hitting like hitting golf balls and all that sort of stuff. And I was like, this is amazing. But where's like the inter golf, like equivalent yeah. where's where's like there are heaps of kids here that are coming to watch tiger mm. woods play like it's i don't know that kind of frustrated me a little bit so it's an interesting one because i know the structure is a bit dicey anyway but um maybe we can explore that all questions we are hoping to put to uh put to golf australia which we did get you know out of that meeting we had a really positive yep. discussion and said that they would be their the new media manager said that they would happily put put their um a couple of CEOs up, which would be which would be great. And maybe it'll be around that Melbourne thing, which hopefully will make work if it aligns. If we can. All right, next question. We've got a few to go here, so let's keep going with golf related. All right. Uh Dane M Study will we'll finish his off here. Would you rather revive the Australian Masters or throw money at the state opens and PGAs? I think I think I've just answered that. Yeah. Agree. So uh, if we're gonna get I'm trying to say this with the greatest amount of respect to tradition and history. I don't know that reviving the Australian Masters is going to make any difference at all because I still don't think anyone's going to come down to it. Not if we're not, going, if we're going to get the a purse is there. No, that's right. That's right. But I mean, again, that time, like any, any of this we're talking between November and March latest, if we can't pay more than what, Century Tournament Champions is paying at Wawa, or like it's just not going to happen, right? So we need to go out and bring an event like a PGA Tour or a WGC or an elevated. Like we need to bring an event they're going to play anyway and make them come here because reviving an Australian Masters, I just don't think is going to make any difference. And therefore, if it's an either or, it has to be pump more. Like make the state tours more more enticing to go to and stick around for and yeah. and 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 build the game here that way um so that by the time we get to the pga with, with the greatest respect we don't have someone like jed running away with it we have a hotly contested field because we're playing quality quality events at the state level week in week out mm. with the order of merit being essentially decided by winning one tournament yeah that, like. that's and and i mate i i, I love him I, I hope it would, nothing would be with greater joy if he walks away with this, with the European Tour card and playing a 
and plant the US Open. Yeah, I think that would be awesome. And he, he showed some good form in the most recent outing as well. But he's had a bit of a dry patch. He admits that himself. He's had he's had a phenomenal performance at Royal Queensland and pretty much made himself untouchable. So I don't know that that's how it was intended. Yeah, um, nor how it should be. I would. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I would rather if I'm throwing a material number around here, right? If the Australian Masters came back at five million dollars, mm. I would rather a million dollars go to five state opens. Mm. I think it would entice more players to think twice about potentially leaving mm. to go and play in other tours, which is has its pros and cons. Um, but you would have more of a chance of attracting players to bigger purses where it's consistent money, not just $5 million, 100000 100000 either side. Well, the irony is, is I think, say for maybe a handful of two or three, you're going to get the same players at the state tournaments at a million bucks a pop as you were at the Masters for $5 million because you're still Correct. not getting any more people coming down. So, exactly. yep. yeah, I, for the for the... Betterment of the game, which we spoke about just before. I like let's spread the wealth, spend a bit of money in the states and territories for that matter. Don't want the territories. One thing I would really like to see, um, just going back to the question before about PGA to a commissioner, was better have an event in every state and territory. Currently, no events in South Australia who have some of the best courses in the country, best courses in the country, uh, and Tasmania, none in Tasmania. Um, so also some handy courses down there. Anyway, yeah. so that's that's that one. All right, probably about ten to go. Have we have we completely wrapped up podcast related questions? No, there's two to go. Let's go there. Uh, at Braden McCubbing, has podcasting impacted your lives in any weird ways? Um, I, I don't think so. No. I think I think for me, I wouldn't say this has impacted my life, but I, I'm I'm sometimes surprised by the people who you find out listen yeah yeah you know so like i for instance um my my better half my beautiful wife anthea she went to a wedding um a couple of months ago up in darwin um of old school friend uh and had some other school friends around and was talking to a couple of a um couple of guys she went to school with who just started talking about just completely randomly started talking about listening to the 19th set. And I'd met one of them once, but I'd never spoken about, I've never spoken about golf, let alone hosting a golf podcast. So just, I think that for me, and again, it still hasn't impacted my life, but I, I, I do find it weird mm. that you'll, you'll often stumble upon people go, Oh yeah. Oh, is that you? Oh, right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Other than that, I, I don't, I don't, think so like i don't think it's like it it hasn't caused any major disruptions or yeah yeah i don't think so no i think there's i think again people listen to 45 minutes to an hour and a half right and Mm, probably don't trouble with this one yeah and don't understand the the breadth of work that probably goes to actually getting it to air so i think that the impact of a lot more than one yeah, yeah. In terms of editing and stuff, but I think it's also like, you know, um, organizing merchandise isn't just like, you know, clicking a button and it happens. It's plug and know, play. Yeah, you've got to you've got to sort a few things out and look like it's. Um, there's absolutely been times, and I'm sure that you you've felt this as well, where you come home on a Monday night, 
we haven't watched that much golf. No. We had a shit day at work. <laughs> We're fucking knackered. And we go and, and we jump on and we do it because we love it. And it honestly does. It brings me joy. Even when I sit down and yeah. I go, fuck, I'm, I'm, I'm knackered. I really, honestly, I can't be asked doing this. And then we start talking and I'm like, I'm up and about. I'm yeah. Yeah. like, yeah. So I think, I think that's also probably the impact that it's had in my life. Good call out. Check uh, out, uh, check out B McGubbin covers. Best in the yes. business. Yes, unreal. Uh, last one in the podcast related stuff. Uh, chances of a 19th T golf day happening. Um, again, I think this pops up. This popped up in the 100th episode. This yeah. pops up semi regularly. Listener survey. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah I'd, look, yes. Um, location TBA. Um, I mean, you look at our stats, and Sydney would be quite the obvious choice. Seems that's where like most the, of our uh, yeah. listeners are. Seems like the obvious choice. I think, like, let, let's be unequivocally clear. In theory, completely on board. Yeah. Um, what, <laughs> just working through some logistics. What it might end up looking like is, you know, booking five tea times back to back and filling it with 18 listeners at a public golf course in Sydney. And that might be our first golf day where you just pay your green fees. We don't tell the course that it's a... <laughs> golf Not day, that. so we don't get slugged with the fees. So, and, I, mean, I reckon, I reckon we head up to uh, Prisian Springs with uh, our good friend Cassie Porter. I mean, they were very accommodating with my group of sixteen. Uh, they the were back end of uh, back end of last year. So, hey, or or Caboolture Golf Club. Hey, there's a call. One of the yes. one of the great uh, one of the great. I don't know. We, I mean, it's kind of like uh, international man of mystery. We're unaware of the identity of the person who. Administers the Kabulcha Golf Club Instagram account at Kabulcha GC. Um, great content, by the mm. way. Um, great content, but also a very, very loyal supporter of this podcast. So maybe, yeah. maybe that's it. Maybe it's uh, the annual. I mean, doesn't really solve our Sydney issue. Being no. a primary <laughs> listener base, but, but yeah, that's I'm sure we could out. go to. I'm sure we we'd have some inns in Sydney. Um, mm. So. Um, should we use Kavulcha Golf Club as a as a segue to go to our next question, which is in golf related? So I'm picking the okay. category for you. Uh, what what makes people want to be a greenskeeper? <laughs> I don't know. If maybe this the, the person who runs Kavulcha Golf Club is a greenskeeper and he's having a bit of an existential crisis. Um, maybe maybe yeah. That's I, I did read that. And I was like, I, surely you'd be best place to answer that question. I don't know. Um, I so I've I've got a mate. Um, who is who is a greenskeeper? Uh, works on the Melbourne Sandbelt at one of the country's best courses. I'm incredibly envious that he um, rides fairways all day there. So I think he, I mean, he ultimately he loves the game, always has loved the game, um, and I think wanted to find a way to work in it and and stumbled into that. I think there's probably that, and then there's also I don't know people who just have a passion for grass and fertilizers and yeah this weirdo uh, i mean sick. your grass does look phenomenal but like oh man it's fun <laughs> though yeah it's yeah. fun yeah. yeah it's a yeah. lot of fun i love spending you know half my day out in the backyard mowing and, and that's great it's good yeah. stuff just get a good mower it takes 10 minutes mate uh yeah so sorry i don't think we can answer that question all that well but i don't know i'm sure it's a passion for a the game and b the the actual work um, whether or not they're in that order who knows Three questions left in golf related, four in non golf related. Let's go non golf. Let's go back to back non golf. Uh, at Dane M. Suddy, 
do Bennett and the Dolphins do any good next year? <laughs> I'll, I'll just sit quietly here because I have no idea. I genuinely couldn't tell you. I know they've got a fantastic commercial manager running things up there at the moment. That's all I know. Uh, so for those non-rugby league supporters, Dane is referring to the uh, – well, I don't know. I think they'd be calling. I think they're just going with dolphins because they've been the Redcliffe Dolphins in the Queensland Cup for 70, 80 odd years. And they were the successful bid mm-hmm. for the expansion franchise. And then in strange circumstances, um, they're essentially, I believe, told to drop the Redcliffe from their name. Um, they'll always be quintessentially Redcliffe. Uh, they'll remain at their train. They'll play at Suncorp Stadium in Brisbane. Uh, Wayne Bennett has been recruited, the super coach. Um, depending on who you talk to, he, I mean, he is he's a phenomenal coach, got a great record. But you look at his last probably 10, 12 years, and every club he's gone to and then left has turned into a basket case afterwards. So, is that the club? Is that the common thread? I don't know. Um, they haven't, I mean, what you want as an expansion franchise is you want one big dog, yeah. you need one big dog. And so far, what they've got is a series of small to medium-sized dogs and are running out of available big dogs on the free agency market because everyone's re-signing at their current clubs. So they started with a list, as long as your arm, of people who are off contract next year. And one by one, or you know, in the Melbourne Storms case, they signed three on the same day, I think a week or two ago. Um, All of their available options are slipping through their fingers um, that's important not only from on the field, but also as a as a franchise player, right? Yeah. It's your draw card. And as a, as a new franchise, that's so necessary. So, look, I think ultimately, I, I certainly don't think they'll make the eight next year in terms of the finals. I think if they have, you know, we play um, 20, 25, 26 odd games, if they have north of 10 wins, that's probably a huge success, I would suggest. Okay. And that's, I mean, that's not a criticism to them. It's, you look at any expansion franchise that's in the rugby league or, or anywhere else for that matter. Uh, and and don't forget rugby league aren't like the AFL. They don't get expansion franchise and then given eight top 10 draft picks. Yeah. Um, so everyone struggles in their first few years. That's just a, that's just part of the course. Uh, we'll wrap up Dane M. Sadie's questions for the day. Do the jacket and tie stay on or off at the Drudy wedding? <laughs> That's actually, I actually got the save the date. Um, you'd be pleased oh, to know. I, know. I know you've had some Jesus. Australia Post challenges. <laughs> uh, not Robinson Crusoe there. Um, yeah. I, 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 I didn't know. I mean, obviously, that's, that's generally not the case with save the dates because they're very top, top level info, uh, mainly the date. Uh, <laughs> but I didn't, I didn't notice a dress code. So that's, I mean, that's really a question for you because yeah. it will be a matter of like, what, what are we wearing? What, yeah. What's going on there? Look, I will, I will wear a jacket, um, so no tie, but open collar. Okay, so that which is I think is question. what you did for yours. I did, you I did, I did. I wore, I wore a. So I didn't go with the increasingly popular kind of like statement jacket into a chino option. I went like a suit essentially, yeah, yeah. Yeah, just sure. open collar. Yeah. Um. So yeah, look, that's. Um. I think that, that plays. You can wear a suit if you want. You can wear. Jacket, if you want. <laughs> look, I will probably go. Uh, I'll probably go jacket, open collar, and look. I think that answers half of Dane's question, and also there's every chance the jacket comes off at some stage in the oh. night. So the jacket and the tie at some stage will be off in true nineteenth T fashion. I'll, I'll give you the hot tip by nine o'clock with the dance floor <laughs> starting. 
Gone the jacket will be finding the back <laughs> of the chair very quickly. Brilliant. Good uh, question. Uh, all right. Two in non-golf, three in golf. Let's go. Let's go golf. Uh, from Big Nerd 88, what's the best way to make a swing change? How long does it take? How long does it take for it to take effect? Great question. Um, I've been working on swing changes subtly and not so subtly for six to eight months at least. And I'm still haven't got full great results or bet. I don't practice as much as I should, yeah. but I would say it's, if you practice fully, I reckon you could probably do it in six months, but it's a creature habit, right? Like mm-hmm. I go to the range and I might, you know, film myself very briefly and I feel like I'm doing the right thing and I'm absolutely doing the completely wrong thing. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what the answer is. I, my honest answer would be go and see a coach. Um, I say thank you. I'm glad you finished there. Uh, don't take advice I, from us. <laughs> I, I was only going to add two things um, to the conversation, and that's first and absolutely foremost, seek professional help. Uh, like that's the only way you'll properly implement a swing change. And the second one is be kind to yourself. Yeah. So you ask, the question was how long that should not be an equation that enters your mind. No, um, because you know, you, we, we, we most recently spoken about swing changes, the Jordan speed that looks still pretty bad. I know he won. I'm, I love him. Great though. Everyone knows I love him. It doesn't look great. And that guy hits hundreds of balls a day mm. and has been doing that that swing change for you know two months now and it like hundreds of balls a day and it still looks bad so my message overall is be kind to yourself it'll take as long as you want it to take but don't don't think i'm going to come out of this in six months time i'll be a completely new player it's a really good point like i was having a conversation with someone the other day just doing a bit of practice with them and we were talking about the percentage of um, putts made on the PGA tour from different distances. And then we, mm. we, we went and did it and like, you know, I think I can't even remember what it was, but like we worked out, we were, he plays off five. So, and I'm off somewhere in 18 to 20 range. So like pretty substantial differences and mm. like all in all, we weren't that far off in terms of percentage percentage wise. Mm. So it's like absolutely be kind to yourself. If if you're you gotta remember that from a hundred yards or a hundred meters out, PGA tour players still miss the green. So if you miss the green often, it's okay. Yeah. That's and nice. like I I absolutely fall into this trap as well because I sit there and I go, I should jam this to three feet. Absolutely. Because <laughs> this is what I watch on TV and I should do this. This is very, very easy. Yeah. I should do this. Yeah. And then I get up there and I miss a green or, you know, thin it or whatever. Like, And it is mm. frustrating because everyone wants to shoot low. But I agree. It's your point. Be kind to yourself. All right. Non-golf. Uh, PK plays golf. Favorite non-golfing sport event attended? I went to... A game of football at Old Trafford. Oh yes, uh, which it was a shit game. It was a 
it was a round game. Um, I follow. I mean, I follow United in football, and they played Fulham, uh, and they still sold seventy five thousand tickets. I was fortunate enough to sit at the Stratford end, which is the home end. I did not sit for the entire game because the first was the blue and everyone stood up. I was like, what the fuck's going on? I can't see what's going on. So I didn't sit. So I stood for 90-odd minutes um, and uh, Fulham equalised two all in the 93rd minute. Um, and it was a truly deflating feeling. But I'm comfortably, comfortably one of the most phenomenal sporting experiences I've had live in the flesh. It was Awesome. I went to the 2013 grand final. Hawks lost, uh, I think, from yes. memory to Sydney. Might have been 2012, 2013. I can't remember which way around it was. Um, that was that sucked, yeah. uh, but it was still pretty cool to, to be at. Mm. Um, I guess probably um, my one of my favorite sporting memories was when I was at college and Oregon was the number one ranked football team in the country at that point, which is an enormous deal. We we're playing UCLA. Um, so in, Go Bruins. in um, sort of a decent rivalry, uh, they came up, we, we dusted them, but I have a uh, piece of footage on my phone um, where the camera, uh, so we, I think we're, I don't know, about to score a touchdown and the camera lens is vibrating. That's how loud it was uh, by the way that the stadium's designed. It, the noise stays in. So that was yeah, pretty cool. Okay. Then we fell off a cliff and our last game of the year was against <laughs> Oregon State um, and we scored a touchdown with like 13 seconds to go to win. So that was pretty cool. And then we rushed the field and I had jumped off the um, like stands onto the field. Didn't realize it was like a 10 to 12 foot drop. Yeah, I, just thought it, I just thought it was like a meter and I was like, hold oh, Shit, you know when you have that moment where you do that with your arms? Um, so anyway, someone broke their leg yeah. that night. So, but anyway. Uh, no, it wasn't me. Uh, back to golf related. What do we got? Two and one? Yeah. Yeah, let's go back to golf. Tommy Ryan golf. How many wins does Scotty Scheffler finish with this season? He's got four. I reckon he wins. It's <laughs> crazy. I reckon he wins once more. I was going to be in my number as well. Yeah, it's a good. One. I don't know. I don't know where. I would be phenomenal if it's a major. If he goes to Southern Hills or Brookline and wins, uh, we're talking about up amongst the great all-time years individually. Agreed. Um, five wins, two majors. Yeah, that would be yeah. So. I reckon it's once more. It also would not surprise me if it was no more. Yeah, absolutely. As well, if the run and, sort of and he would so. still be player of the year. Yeah. <laughs> Correct. Uh, we'll finish on the golf related one. So we'll go back to the non golf. I don't know why I've left this to the end, but this, this is a big one. Uh, at Tom Lee Worthy Real Estate, if you had to choose one goat to be the goat of all goats, who is it? E.g., Rossi, Brady, Roger, Slater, Tiger, Messi, Jordan, Bolt, etc. Do you have an answer? Because like this is this is a stupid question, a fantastic question, but it's a stupid question. Because I don't, I've this is a conversation that I've had in the pub after a few beers. Yeah. I said, if you had to pick one athlete, who would it be? Mm. I think so. If there's a couple of things. I think it's near impossible to compare across eras. Yep. 
or eras, depending on where you're from. Almost impossible. Um, because I look at something like, not to go off too much of a tangent, but a controversial opinion. I don't even think Donald Bradman's the cricket goat. Mm. Personally, I'm I'm fairly firmly in the Tenduka camp as the cricket goat. That's just me. So, but again, it's like it's near impossible comparing against years. I think it's so hard to compare against sports team to individual. That's I I don't, I don't what do you account for the remainder of the team as opposed to a person like a Kelly Slater or a Roger Federer who goes out and does it on their own. Ultimately, and this is going to sound way too fucking wowzerish because of <laughs> when sitting in the middle of a golf podcast. Uh, the more I've had this conversation the last couple of years, the more it's been Tiger. Yeah. And I think that's because I think there's, there's very few people who would have had to endure what he endured to remain so consistently dominant at the top. There's very few people who have had such a profound impact that the rules of the game have been changed on their account. Um, and yeah, I, I just, I, I don't know. We've said it countless times. I don't know that we truly appreciate what we've seen. Mm-hmm. I think we, I think it will only be time and it will only be time in the absence of him playing that I think will, will it will resonate um, uh, profoundly on, on what we've witnessed. But yeah, I, it, that seems like too easy an answer, but I, I think ultimately for me, as I said, the more I have this conversation in recent years, the more clearer it is for mine that it's Tiger. I agree. I think um, exactly the same or all the same thoughts. I mean, you can make the case for Jordan and and everyone like that. The one that I would say that I think gets slept on a little bit um, in terms of what they've achieved and and a very similar story to Tiger is Serena Williams. I think absolutely. Absolutely. the, the The most Grand Slam singles titles in the open era, male or female. Um, endured a lot of that story. same shit that um, that Tiger endured. Um, Absolutely. So yeah, I think think she's definitely the one. And look, to be honest, like I, I probably thought that ahead of seeing King Richard anyway. But going and seeing it and hearing that story, and I know this mm. story is probably a little probably, bit mayor, but it's well, a, it's a little bit mayor, but it's also probably more Venus focused because people forget like Venus turned pro at the age of like. <laughs> Well, I think she was like 17 or whatever and signed a deal with Reebok like worth stupid amounts. But she was winning and beating professionals at the age of 13. Like so very much mm. focused on on Venus. But yeah, I don't know. Serena, I think, gets slept on a little bit. I agree completely. Last question, KM. Oh, here we go. Done well. Uh, <clears throat> the top four holes you want to play in the world. I left this is my one of my favorite questions in here. Um, I'll I'll let you go first, if you would so like. Is or it too go. simplistic to say holes one through four at Arrowtown Golf Club, just outside of Queenstown? <laughs> you can you can sign off now. Uh, no, um, this so this, and we might um agree officially um at the back end of this answer. This was my favorite question. Yeah, this was an exceptional question. I agree. Uh, uh, mainly because it, how how could you possibly narrow it down to four? So I approach this in two different ways. <laughs> um, what are the courses that ultimately I'd like to play at? Ultimately, mm-hmm. right? And then how do I get a balance? I don't want to go and choose four 
par fives. Mm-hmm. So what I've done is I've chosen a par three, a drivable par four. Okay. A traditional, if not a little bit lengthy par four. Okay. And a par five. Right. You've done it way differently to what I have, but that's absolutely great. Go for it. Where, where, do, you want me to, where do you want me to start? Just uh, go par three, short par four, par four, par five. Par three is the fifth at La Hinch. Also one of mine. Outstanding. I thought the it Dell. might have been the Dell. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So for those unfamiliar, completely blind green. I think it's only 140, 50 meters. Not even. I don't um, think. Like- but completely blind green over an enormous mound. Yeah. Um, just phenomenal. Absolutely phenomenal hole. Phenomenal hole. Yeah. Um, so that's my par three. Drivable par four. There's a number of options here. Mm. Um, ultimately landed on what I believe is the 10th on the west course and the 8th on the composite course of Royal Melbourne. Okay. Drivable par four, 295, huge bunker that generally takes out the driver. Yep. Um, I think from memory, this might have been the hole uh, that Hao Tong Lee was urged not to pull the driver on and did so anyway. Um, Sounds about right. In President's Cup. So uh, I desperately want to play Royal Melbourne. There's two. There's actually two drivable par fours at Royal Melbourne alone, but that's, that's, the, that's the storied one. So 10 west, eight on the composite course at Royal Melbourne. Um, the traditional par four uh, might well be might well be the best par four in the world as the 17th at St. Andrews, the old course, the road hole. Also one of mine. Yeah. So amazing hole, um, which was, which is pretty comfortable for me. You know what I'd like most about 17 at St. Andrews? What's that? Just to see how far right and into a building I'd be able to hit it. (laughs) That's what I reckon you and I'd love the most. Yeah. Just how how my, bang, how, how profoundly can I cock this up? Yeah, that's what I'd enjoy. All right, yeah. sorry, you're par five. Par five. Um, so this was only ever going to be Augusta for me. Yeah. And so really it was down to 13 or 15. Mm. Where'd you go? This would be really interesting. So ultimately I went with 13. Okay. And that's as much to do with the whole because I mean I love fifteen, but I, I I just think that the second shot on thirteen with the lie that you face, depending on where you end up, are you able to draw it as a right hander around the corner? Do you are you a natural fader of the ball? Do you lose it a bit up to the pine straw? Where you land if you are able to draw like incredibly inconsistent lies? Are you um, downhill, uphill, side lie like? I just think a second shot asked so much. But for me, it was as much about the the tee box on 13 may well be one of the most special places in world golf mm. in terms of walking back 30, 40 yards off the green at 12, particularly on, say, a Sunday in contention and being in, in complete silence. It's you, your caddy, and your two playing partners and their caddies, and that's it. And I think that is so unique in yep. any major venue that we go to. You never get that sort of um, quiet serenity and privacy. And I, I'd love to just take that walk off the back of um, 12 away from Ray's Creek up to the 13th tee box and, and just stand there and, and get the view. And and I think ultimately that's probably what, what nudged it ahead of 15 for me. 15 is a phenomenal hole. I love 15. 
um, particularly that approach shot, you know, down into the amphitheater with the rock wall off to the left. And it's a f- beautiful hole. But, yeah, I, I just think that walk up to the tee box and the opportunity to stand there and, and take that in at 13 was what got it across the line. So that's my that's my four. Excellent. Um, well, we've got two of the same. So the Dell at La Hinch. Um, I just think also with the Dell, like... Sorry, j- j- not to interrupt, but you said that you approached it completely differently. Oh, so yes. maybe if you can just revert back to how you approached it. I just went with four holes that I liked. <laughs> so nothing to do with the, on a balance of threes, nah. fours, fours nah. and fives. Look, maybe courses I want to play at. Nah. Oh, okay. These are all courses I want to play at. Yeah. Um, but I think uh, I... Look, uh, it'll be evident in here. So I've got three par threes and the road hole. Wow. So like, okay. I, there are some great par fives in the world. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. Absolutely great par five. Yeah. Cape, Cape Kidnappers has some amazing, uh, has a couple of amazing par fives. Yeah. Uh, Bandon has some incredible par fives. Pebbles got some beautiful ones as well. Um, but for me, I, I come away and am most blown away and, and most enjoy the architecture and the challenge of par threes. Personally, that's just the way that I like to look at golf courses. I can tell you most par threes of Perth golf courses that I've played, how they're set up, what they're designed to do. And I, I, that's what I really like about it. So anyway, that's how I've approached it. What I also like about the Dell at La Hinch is Klondike as well, that kind of just frames it all yep. really nicely. And then it's just a complete blind shot. And in modern terms, no one would design a golf course like that, but it's 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 one of the only uh, times where I think the saying it's always been like that, and that's how we should keep it. I think, like you know, yeah. that, that saying that's like, oh yeah, but that's how we did it last year. Shits me, right? <laughs> this, this is one where it's fine. Um, so I've got the Dell at the Hinch, the Road Hole at St Andrews. Um, I've then gone sixteen at Augusta. Um, I, I've really debated and laboured over over twelve or sixteen. I just think sixteen with Sunday's pin. I was going to ask you which pins. Yeah. yeah. Sunday's pin. Just like, not that I'd ever have a chance of like getting it close, but the yeah. way that it funnels down, like I think it would just be a lot of fun to have a crack at. Uh, and my last one is seven at Pebble. Um, just infamous, yeah. that little downhill. Yeah. You know, it's, I think it's like one, I think it's only like 140 maybe off mm. the championship tees. So it, it's just a, a very small wedge, but like, into the breeze, bunkers yeah. everywhere. Like it's it's just one of the one of the more unnerving tee shots yeah. in world golf. Um, I had a couple of honorable mentions as well, like 16 at Cypress Point was another one that I liked. 18 at Pebble. Um, I don't know. There are a lot that I really liked. Um, Royal Melbourne, I think it's five. It uh, it was um five on the composite course. It's I think it's a par three. Uh yeah, I think it's definitely five on the composite course. Mm. Um, is a is a par three that was awesome. Par um, three. There's there are a lot there are a lot yeah. of a lot of golf holes that I could sit here and rattle off. Maybe one day we'll do our dream eighteen. That could be another like podcast that. idea. That's well. a good idea. Write that down. Write that down before that we forget. Um, I th- I think I think I think maybe we can probably award award the the pair of Oakley Sunnies. Yeah, I'm happy. Um, I'm happy to that. Warwick Ahern zero zero. I get the sense that you were um, engineering that the whole way through of leaving that to the last question. Yeah, um, actually, I actually wasn't. But okay, I give you too much credit. 
Yeah, <laughs> you do. You do. So it was anyway, a phenomenal question. Look, we, they were all sunnies. phenomenal questions. Um, but Warwick Warwick Ahern's taking home the Oakley Sunnies, uh, thanks to Brad McIntosh, the team at Oakley. Uh, th- th- thank you to our listeners. Um, yeah. We 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 wrap up very briefly because we've been going for too long. There's a bunch of people to thank. Um, we'll leave the listeners to last. I think first and foremost, uh, the great team at On the Rocks Design. Mm. And by team, I mean your wonderful sister, Julia, <laughs> uh, who, who does all of our uh, our graphic design work, our assets, ex- outstanding. Yep. Um, we could have looked we, – we, you and I probably would have been on Canva um, th- throwing some shit out on uh, on a logo on the socials and, and I don't know that we would have made it this far. So thank you to Julia for ongoing support. Um, I think to, to – <laughs> To the uh, more significant people in our lives, who mm. I think tolerate you and I <laughs> um, pursuing this week in week out without necessarily uh, understanding the why at times, <laughs> um, I think it would be fair to say a lot of the time. Yeah. So to to Amy and to Anthea, a massive thank you for their ongoing support. Um, unofficial producers, very unofficial producers of the uh, 19th Year podcast. <laughs> uh, to our listeners, uh, I think we said at the start, the only reason we're still doing it is because they listen. Um, yep. I think, you know, the, the submission of questions for this evening's episode is, is proof in the pudding of um, we have some articulate, intelligent, and ultimately, uh, well, funny, and ultimately very loyal um, people who listen to this podcast week in, week out. So thank you. Um, to each and every one of you who join us, uh, it, it makes it special each week. Uh, and then finally, uh, my thanks to you, mate. Um, what a ride, two hundred, yes. eh? I, I don't think Raise we it right back at the start of this episode. Um, I don't think we ever would have imagined uh, getting here uh, when we when we set out on this on this journey. But um, an an enormous part of that is is thanks to you, mate. Uh, we often joke about the eighty twenty split. Um, we joke so much about it; it's becoming a, a very non-joke <laughs> at all. Um, so your your work to, and and you, I'm glad you said it because people wouldn't realise the amount of work that goes into putting this together each and every week, and that is primarily you, my friend. And and we we wouldn't be where we are without you. So um, it's my absolute pleasure to sit on the other opposite side of the country and stare at you through the screen on Zoom every, every week. <laughs> it's um, been a nice change, hasn't it? It has been the old mate. YouTube. It has been. It has been. Uh, and I look forward to doing it for another 100. So thank Absolutely. you, Drew. It's been a pleasure. No, and likewise to yourself. You do a lot of work as well, mate. It's uh, we, we do joke, but there is a lot of <laughs> there is a lot of work that goes both ways, whether it's keeping sponsors happy. And, if, and we should thank our sponsors too, of course, Gage Roads, our wonderful beer sponsor. Um, they do wonderful things. Cobra Puma, the OGs. The genuine 40. OGs of sponsors. 40, 40, 40. What a man. He's gallivanting around Europe somewhere. He might plug this one in on the oh, way back. holiday he's having. Unbelievable. Um, <laughs> so we got some great stuff lined up with them. Uh, Oakley, I've got the kid on today. We've mm. got the, the Sunnies giving out. Brad and the team, they do some amazing stuff as well. The Golf Collective, um, probably haven't heard their name for a little while and, and that's our fault, but they they're, they're just a few guys and, and girl over here in WA doing some wonderful things. So if you are looking mm. to get a handicap uh, and you don't want to join a club, get in touch with the Golf Collective. And last but certainly not least, Sure Shot mm. um, or, or MGI Golf, whichever one you want to rock and roll with. 
Um, but they have, uh, I think we can comfortably announce that they have furthered their partnership with us, which is renewed, renewed uh, the partnership for another year. And, and uh, I know we touched on some of those video content pieces that we're looking to do, mm. and, and they've certainly shown an interest in supporting those as well. So we've got five fantastic sponsors and, and truly this, um, yeah, this, it does make podcasting so much easier when you've got a bit of income coming in and we're not having to dip our hand in our pocket to pay for zoom subscriptions and hosting subscriptions <laughs> and all the other shit that we've got to pay for so no it is mate. It. it's excellent it is that is, that is it that's 200 in the bank um plenty more to come obviously we're not all that far away from the next major um there's some events i don't, I don't think we'll be too keyed into the zurich this week, wouldn't have thought so. A little team event, it's cute. Wouldn't have thought so. Uh, and of we course, might be having a week off next week as well. We haven't discussed this, but you're away. Uh, are you yeah. away? Yeah, we might yeah, be having a week maybe, off. Maybe, We're not sure. Maybe, maybe. Of course, Obviously. the Blitz Blitz Golf is um, on yes, Tuesday at, at WA yeah. Golf Club, so um, I might look to do a few little vox pops, as they say, to do a, a, a an audio love a little voxy, yeah, and an audio that. episode, perhaps. Um, That'd be good audio only. Um, and of course, you know, the guys are, are heading over there for the final few tournaments, uh, the WA swing, and then, of course, up to the NT to finish off the season. So still plenty of uh, action on our doorstep here in Australia that we'll keep you abreast of in the coming weeks as well. But uh, yeah, we'll see. You might hear us next week. You might not. Mystery. Who knows? All right, Drewster. Always a pleasure, my friend. Thanks, mate. We'll, uh, we'll, 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 I'll, I'll see you when I'm looking at you. <laughs>